Hi, everybody. It's Derek again, and I'm here with Soph. Hey. Finally, we're able to talk to each other. It's been, I feel like we've been trying to figure this out for at least, like, <laughs> five weeks or at least a month or something I know. like this. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. Our schedules were conflicting yeah. so much. And finally, I have time, actually, during the week to actually do this now. So it's like, yeah, finally, I have a lot of time. It's been great. Yeah. So, we're just going to get into the regular programming, of course, guys. So, um, we're just going to start off with daily wavelengths. Have you, what have you guys, what have you been listening to? Ooh, recently, um, oh, let me find the artist on Spotify. I can't remember his name, but okay. I just found this new artist. Um, well, not, he's not new. He's been around for a while, but mm-hmm. I just found him. Um, he is called, uh, where are you? Um, Toro Imoy or Toro Imoy, and um, I've been listening to his stuff a lot, and I've also been listening to The Neighborhood a lot. I don't know why it took me so long to find The Neighborhood, but is that really like is that, that like a is that like a sweater um, weather? Do you remember that song? Sweater weather. Cause it's too cold. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just found their stuff. Um, I thought this whole time that The Neighborhood was The Weekend. Like, I thought they were the same artist, and I thought Sweater Weather was by The weekend. And I just learned otherwise. And I really like their stuff, so if you haven't heard their stuff, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, what was the first um, artist you said again? Uh, Toro, Toro Imoa, I think is how you pronounce it. Do you know how to spell it? It's uh, T-O-R-O. T-O-R-O. And then space, M-Y, and M-O-I. Like, a separate word. Y M O I. Y and then space M O I. Okay. Okay. Um, I really like the song Lily. That's like the one I've been jamming to the most. We're gonna put this on our playlist, guys, for stuff we've been listening to. So, what I've been listening to for my daily wavelengths is recently I've gone back to um, old Mariah Carey. So that is like charm um, bracelet. Get a charm bracelet. Um, whenever you call on charm bracelet, um, then I went back to the her first her debut album for um, someday, and then where else did I go? Then I went to E equals MC squared for for the record. That's a little known record, so that's one of my favorite ones. And all these songs will be put on the playlist like usual. Um, has there any been like any like throwbacks? Like any throwback songs? Oh, throwbacks. Per se. Um hmm. That's a good question. Um, I have like a period of time, I think every month, where I just get onto a Hillary Duff phase and I just listen to Metamorphosis on repeat. Um, and Most Wanted. Um and Britney Spears. I, I can mm-hmm. always jam out to Britney Spears. Like, no matter what album it is, <laughs> she's <Yeah>. so good. <laughs> oh, especially, like, prime Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. Like, when she first came out, she's yeah. killing it. Yeah. I haven't listened to Britney Spears in a while. But actually, no, that's a lie. Because now I have vocal performance, so I actually have to do background vocals for that. Really? Yeah, for my intro to um, performance class. Wait, what this song year, are you guys doing? Toxic. We're doing oh, toxic, dude, so yeah. Good. So I had to do backgrounds for that. So that's gonna be interesting. Oh then, hell yeah! Yeah, because I'm pretty much song. singing the whole time. 
Like I'm literally either doing background vocals or are you guys lead. doing the performance for it? Like somewhere, do you have a venue? Because for my performance class when I took it, it was the first time that they had the class available, and we had to do like the showcase at the mm-hmm. end of it um, in the studio room. So mm-hmm. do you guys have a venue? I don't actually know yet. Okay. We're just trying to get everything together still. So. Okay. Well, let me know because I want to get that so bad. <laughs> I'll let you know when it comes out. I'll probably try and get somewhere to record it too, just to see yeah. what, how it looks. Yeah. So, um, nobody knew this whole time. <laughs> I don't know what the heck that is. <laughs> I can't. All right. All right, let's get back to this regular stuff. All right, guys. So, um, I just want to talk about some, like, news, like, some current news, um, and just get your opinions on it. Absolutely. Um, and then, like, get in, get, like, talk to you about, like, your career and, like, what you, what made you start music and stuff like that. So, we'll just play by ear. Sure. So, um, obviously, we both know us, we were both watching the Grammys. So, we yeah. watched the oh, Grammys. Yeah. I saw um, the Grammys. Yeah, yeah. So, um. What were your um thoughts about it? Like the opening number, like Kendrick's performance or just performances oh in general? Yeah, just candid thoughts. Yeah. Um I love Kendrick. I more or less recently started listening to Kendrick because um I kind of stopped listening to like popular mainstream stuff. Mm-hmm. Um for a while I wasn't even like really keeping up with music. Mm-hmm. Um I you know when you get into that weird funk where you're just listening to the same thing over and over yeah. and over again and you don't want to hear something new? Yeah. I feel like I was going through that for a while, and I finally sat down, uh, like, probably this summer, and listened to Kendrick, and I fell in love with him. I, I, he's so creative mm-hmm. and just, like, so talented, and that opening number was amazing when mm-hmm. he came out. and Oh, my God. So I was obsessed i thought mm-hmm. that was great and he deserved every award that he won mm-hmm. um i think he's a genius mm-hmm. um i thought kesha's performance was so powerful yeah, it was. Um, i cried so hard <laughs> um it doesn't take a lot for me to cry but b- despite that besides mm-hmm. all of that um watching that was really really powerful and it was really cool to see all the women up there singing with her and mm-hmm. kind of like supporting that message and that empowerment um, so I loved that. Uh, mm-hmm. The Miley Elton John collab was dope. I mm-hmm. thought that was really. It was really sick. interesting. Yeah, I, I wasn't expect. expect it. I didn't expect yeah. it either. So. <laughs> it felt oh. like a really interesting, and like it was a combo that I wouldn't have pictured, yeah. but I ultimately thought it worked super well, and yeah. I really liked the way that they were performing together. And I also thought she looked. I mean, amazing. I love that dress on her. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? There's so much. Despacito. That was a great performance. Mm-hmm. Super high energy. Mm-hmm. Pink's vocals were unreal. Yeah, as usual. Yeah. I, every time she performs, I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. And it, I loved how simplistic it was. I feel mm-hmm. like the Grammys, you know, it's a huge performance, yeah. and, and they always um, have artists that are taking it to the next level with the choreography and the stage setup mm-hmm. and all of that. But I really liked that she kept it raw for that particular song, and mm-hmm. just white t-shirt jeans, and yeah. really killed it with mm-hmm. those vocals. Um and the only other thing I could think to say is that I wish so badly that Lord performed because mm-hmm. I love Lord and mm-hmm. I was so disappointed that she didn't get to perform. Um, so I hope that's something that changes in the Grammys to come because she deserved a spot up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. For me, so obviously the same with Kendrick, the whole the whole um, meaning behind it and whole. Um, 
just staging of it all. Yeah. Like, was just amazing. So, um, and then speaking as what the message was, it was such a big message to what we're going through now in yeah. the country. So it was an important message to be broadcast on the Grammys, such a big important music um music show in the first yeah. place. And you so, get a, a platform like that. Yeah, it's so should. important. Yeah. I agree. Um then um I would have to say of course um I love Lady Gaga's performance. Yes, oh my I was, gosh, I, I love Lady Gaga's performance. Great, yeah. Um I didn't what made me mad though was what was her makeup. I feel like the Wait, makeup was I, I feel like the makeup was messed up. I feel like whoever did the makeup was just <laughs> doing too much. So it made her look it made her look really glossy and yeah. light and I don't know I, what I kept, it was. I was sitting uh next to a couple of friends and I kept turning over and saying that it looked like her eyes like I don't know how she was lifting them. Because mm-hmm. they looked so heavy. Yeah. With all the makeup that they yeah. Wore. So I was like, I don't know why they put so much makeup on her. But other than that, the performance was good. It was like classic Gaga. Mm-hmm. It was like um, when she first came out. It was like a mix of between her when she first came out with like the um, extra popness yeah. and then like Joanne style yeah. after it. So it was just like. A mixture. It was like a good mixture. Of, so if you were a fan of her in the beginning, you could see like the cross, yeah. how it came to be now, like the evolution of it all. So I like that. Um, I would have to say um, the Childish Gambino performance. I was really happy about. Me too. Because I love Childish Gambino, and I feel like people don't give him enough credit for his artistry and creativity for what he does. So for him to come on um, and perform that way and then bring out the um, little kid that's going to be on Broadway for that, best, was that was Simba, that was um, a great moment. Wait, Justice, is that really what it was? Yeah, that, he was going to play um, little Simba uh, on Broadway. I so, have no idea. Yeah, so he's going to be um, little Simba on Broadway. I forget his name at the moment. Um, I had to research that, and then, I'm sure we'll all get yeah, it in the next few years. Yeah, yeah. So, phenomenal. yeah. And vocally, uh, it was just like because on his records before, he's not always like using vocal. It's more um rapping. Yeah. So vocally, it's it's there, but it's not like throughout the whole stuff. Right. So like when it comes to his latest album, you hear more of the vocals. Yeah. That he has, and then just to see it. Um, translated on stage yeah, and it's the staging yeah. just the staging it reminded me of like um i don't know if you um know maxwell um, um maxwell um i'm trying to get a song that you would know um this woman's work like he recreated that maybe um oh. you're the highest of the high Oh, yeah, that's yes, Maxwell. Yes. That's Maxwell. Okay. So, um, he had a little tinge of that in his own vocal performance. Yeah. I can tell the influence from that. Um, and then, um, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I'm, having, I'm having like a man and an interesting song choice too. Yeah. It wasn't because at first I thought he was going to perform Redbone yeah, since it was a, since it was a single, but that's it. But um. It was terrified. Yeah, it was terrified. Yeah. And that's one of the songs um, that I liked. I think I liked that more than I liked Redbone, even mm-hmm. though I liked Redbone. Um, so it was nice to actually hear that. Um, moving on, because I can just go on a tangent forever about this. Mm-hmm. Um, who else came? Uh, uh, 
country yes the country performances i'm not actually into country but mm-hmm. like the vo- vocally it was there but it was a little um i guess it was a little dry to me mm-hmm. i don't know if it's just me because because i'm not really into yeah. that style that it seems so dry to me but mm-hmm. I think that, I think they're different in in their performance style because you won't see a country perform. I mean, often I guess where mm-hmm. it's like all out with choreography, mm-hmm. and like a crazy amount of staging. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it can be left to to look dry. But I um I thought that the award to Chris Stapleton was well deserved. He's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite country vocalists. I don't mm-hmm. listen to a lot of country music either. But um, do you know the song Tennessee Whiskey? I definitely heard that song. I know yeah, it. That's him. But- yeah. Not like crazy man. That's mm. so good. Like he's like he's great. So I thought it was well deserved. He's a great writer as yeah. well. Um and then uh after that, um Oh yeah, so the Wild Thoughts um, performance. Oh yeah, yeah. While I loved it, I had issues with it. <laughs> and this me. is this is the only reason why is because um at first I wasn't sure like when Rihanna actually came out, I wasn't sure if she was supposed to come out at that time. Like if she came out late or if she came out too early. Oh. So like how the camera, like that, how the camera was panned towards yeah. her and made it seem like she came in late. Or <laughs> she, she was like rushing in, in. Yeah, or like <laughs> she came in early. So I was like, uh, this was a little interesting how this started off. Um, but um, the choreography, I feel like the the re- the reason why I say that it was a little messed up to me. Is because of the um, the placement. Like I don't feel like the placement with the choreography was well placed. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could have used more um, of the stage for the performance yeah. than how they had it. Because I feel like they tried to um, cram cram stuff in too mm-hmm. much, and like the choreography looked a little bit too stiff at some points. Oh yeah, I know. You're so yeah and like a little bit too much going on and it was like hardly any space for like Bryson Tiller to come out and then like walk down the stage to actually interact with Rihanna and then he just sits on the stage just to give it make it seem like they're talking to each other when it because they could just be walking towards each other throughout the stage and make it like a bigger performance but other than that I feel like the choreography was good just the spacing was a little bit messed up just for the amount of space they could have used for yeah. it. Um, performance, I was very happy about it. I think, when did, when did she perform? She performed, it was like the second, I feel like the second to last performance okay. before Bruno came I on. She had, she had the, um, she had a cheerleading outfit on because she used to be a cheerleader, so that's why she wore it. It was, like, cut up, and then, like, she had, like, um, cut-up jeans on the sides. Damn, I missed it. Yeah, it was really good. Oh, okay. And I was very proud of it. Yeah, so um, this is what happened. So she performed, she didn't perform um, Love Galore or, like, Weekend or anything like that. She performed um, a song called Broken Clocks. Okay. It's a single called Broken Clocks. Is it off the album? Yes, it's off the album, but it was a single at first. Okay. So, but it wasn't um, as big, obviously, as Love Galore or um, Supermodel and then Weekend and stuff like that. So um, she performed that. So since it was a not a well-known song, it was nice to actually hear it. Okay. So um, vocally it was good because um, at first, because me being somebody that um, is used to her style, mm-hmm. um, knows like, 
vocally what she does is mm-hmm. a little bit different from what you would necessarily be like oh this is amazing right. but it's like you have to get into her aesthetic but I feel like um, now that she's learning because she came in not being like vocally trained or anything like that so I feel like that she's been practicing and it's been paying off so like I was just very happy for the performance That's I good. wish I wish she won an award for best new artist yeah. but like some of the awards were a little bit interesting I think they do it on purpose yeah I, I, I was I was talking to someone about it the other day but um there's like a conspiracy theory yeah. that they have certain artists win certain awards so that people will talk about it mm-hmm. more because yeah. people were expecting a different mm-hmm. you know winner um, I thought it was interesting I mean I, I really love Alessia Cara I think she's mm-hmm. got uh, I do too I I, she's got an amazing voice I really do too I just don't know if She's classified as a new artist. That's what I was saying, too. I was like, I feel like she came out in, like, 2016. Yeah. Or something like that. I feel like she was around even before that. Yeah. When, when did Here come out? Didn't that come out in, like, 2015? I, I, I was still in... That had to be, like, two years ago. Because that I was, was? Yeah. Because I, I was still in... Um, before I transferred over here. So it had to be two years ago. That was two years ago. Because that was the first year that I was in the music... The only reason I know it is because... Um, for my performance class, when mm-hmm. I took the intro to performance, um, we got split into like five separate groups, and my group did "Here" by Alyssa Cara mm-hmm. when it first came out, and that was like it was like two years ago. So it had to be. I don't know why she's. I mean, it, like obviously, again, I think she's a fantastic yeah. artist. I just it felt weird to put her in that category when she could have been nominated for so much yeah. more, so many different categories. Yeah. Like Cause I feel artists. like, cause I feel like that took away from yeah. SZA because I feel like SZA came out and kind of created a different lane yeah. than was already created, especially for female artists Definitely. talking about, um, talking the way she talked about um, relationships in a certain way that mostly men would talk about it in. So yeah. it's like a switch, switch off that a woman is speaking in the same or like a similar way, but just in the, um, just explaining it like a woman would explain it. Right. So I feel like it was kind of um, interesting that she wouldn't get an award for kind of creating lane. Because if you think about new artists, you think of somebody trying like starting a new trend or like something like that. Yeah. So that was interesting. I disagree. That whole choice, that nomination yeah. category seemed really wonky. Yeah. Um, I I kind of had a, as much as I do love Bruno Mars, I really wish that one of those awards went to either Kendrick or um, Jay-Z. Hmm. Or I, Childish Gambino. Yeah. I was actually surprised. I, I really like Bruno. Um, mm-hmm. I don't listen to a ton of Bruno. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, obviously, like, his hit songs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I... I guess I was just confused because obviously 24K Magic was like Mm -hmm. a a huge hit this year, but it didn't feel nearly as big as Redbone or Humble or, you you know, like 444 or or, yeah, any of those. It felt, it felt like strange to me that I, that was the last song that I expected to get, you know, or the the album song. Um, to win and it was because he got because if i remember correctly he got record of the year he got all three of the big ones yeah, so that's the record of the year okay. song of the song year, of the year and album of the year right mm, yes the album of the year, album of the year he won five year. awards i think i have to double check but i remember seeing 
five as being the number. He had to have. Let me see. I'll research there yeah. while we're talking. Um, so I do know he, he won a lot, though. He did win a lot. It was obviously well-deserved, but it, it was also, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to respect the artistry, and obviously he's super talented vocalist, mm-hmm. but a lot of it, too, was that, like, it wasn't written him he has a team of yeah and, that, and that's the thing that's the that's the reason why um a lot of people have like an issue with it because yeah. it's really um more um of him going back into like the late 90s early 90s music yeah and then like br- and then like bringing it back and then recreating it in a certain way to make it more um poppy mm-hmm. like to take it out of what it was to make it more um his style and just bring it out like that so it's like it's like a combination of like you really didn't like create anything mm-hmm. to like be and then it's like the album came out like um, in 2007, I mean, not 2017, was it 2016 or it was like, it's one of those albums that comes in like before they missed the cutoff, missed the cutoff yeah. but they, they're still part of the cutoff for the next year. And yeah. then the next year after that, they're still part of that. So that's another thing. That's like a weird thing about the Grammys too. It's yeah. like the cutoff dates is, are just very interesting about how they, um, place albums. And well, it's definitely calculated. Yeah, then, it's right? very calculated, and that's you have to think about the artists that release music at a certain time mm-hmm. that miss that cutoff so that they can get the next two years worth of Grammy titles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's smart. It's smart, but also yeah. like come on. yeah, because there's a lot <laughs> of fair. stuff coming out. Um, and then um, going on that, what was I talking about? Just lose my space. Oh yeah. So what was I talking? We were talking about Bruno. We we're saying how he doesn't. He has a team of writers, and it was something that... Oh, yeah, so, and then it's just, like, um, like I said before, Childish Gambino, like, somebody that's, from the beginning of his albums, has been doing a lot of different things with the kind of um, context of it, the, like, instrumentation of it, Um, and then, like, the social commentary on both Jay-Z's album and Kendrick's album. It's, like, in this time, I feel like we need to... um, give respect and credit to artists that are taking advantage of their platform and speaking out on issues that need to be addressed. So I feel like it's like, even though I was surprised, I really wasn't surprised because I had a feeling even before the Grammys, I was like, Bruno Mars is probably going to get it because this is more commercial. This is, this is more, um, yeah, I kind of saw it coming, unfortunately. But I usually do see it coming because since it's more like fun records, it's not really talking about much. I wonder, and, though, if it is coming from the same place, like, socially and politically. Because if you think about it, people speaking out on issues are going to get the recognition that they deserve, like, Humble and, like, 444. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it didn't, obviously, gain recognition at the Grammys, yeah. that maybe some people think it should have. But in a way, I wonder if people can... And again, like, there's also all the conspiracies about the Grammys being rigged and, like, the people who vote, if they're actually qualified at a level or whatever. Mm -hmm. But taking all of that aside, assuming that all of these awards were given to whoever garnered the most votes, Mm -hmm. I wonder if people picking an album that is more fun and doesn't cover any political and social issues is picked in that way because people are like stressed you know what i mean like, yeah and people want to like dance and have a good time yeah. 
and they want to forget about that kind of stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. albums like Humble and albums like 444 really bring light to those issues and really bring it front and center. And it's something that like you sit and you listen to and you like vibe with because it's something that you respect and it's something that you agree with. But 24K Magic is something that you listen to and you're like, I just want to have a good time. Like I'm out with my mm-hmm. buddies and like having a few drinks. Mm-hmm. So I that was interesting. Oh Sorry God, about that, guys. Party. Sorry about that, guys. I was not expecting that. I don't know what's going on. All right. Anyway, yeah, I, I wonder if that's if that's where it comes from. Like you know that that kind of thing gaining as much popularity as it does, and like songs like Despacito and songs yeah. that are like you know more fun and, and upbeat and are in about any issue in particular or just like you know yeah. no, no nonsense lyrics mm-hmm. that kind of thing I did I did have that in mind too that I feel like um but I feel like it's more uh let's see how I can phrase this um, I feel like it's because we like to be distracted of the yeah. issues that we need to actually tackle and the reason why things have not changed the way they should have been changed by now, when you think about it, some of the things that we're still dealing with should have been changed a long time ago. Yeah. But when you really look back at history, it's only been 60, 60 years at most, 60 years or more, that, like, me and you would actually be in the same school. That's crazy. Me and you would be in the same school. Me and you would be talking to each other right now yeah. with no issues involved or anything like that. I I I would like I wouldn't have the right to vote for a president at all. Yeah. Like it's it's just interesting when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like when you think about like the women's suffrage movement that wasn't that long ago. When you really yeah. think of it in the grand scheme of things, um, the pay wage for women. And then if you go into the intersectionality of black women and mm-hmm. black men, that page gap, that pay gap. It's like it's when you think about it, it's not old, but you would think by now it would have changed. Yeah. So it's like I feel like albums like um albums and singles like Despacito and like Havana mm-hmm. and like um albums like um twenty four K Magic, um, they're used to like I guess relieve stress. Yeah. I know it's to relieve stress, but I feel like it's also a distraction. Yeah. Because it's distracting us from what's what we need to fight for yeah. at the end of the day. I wonder if some artists, too, are just, like, you know, that may not necessarily want to use their platforms for that. Yeah. Too. Like, I feel like it's neat to have different sections of artists that mm-hmm. like to sing about certain things. Like, you would never hear Taylor Swift singing about, you know, like, a, a movement, any kind yeah. of movement, really. Mm-hmm. Um her, her thing for the longest time, and I guess now, is a little bit different, but yeah. it's always been relationships, and now it's about, like, you know, being a badass or something. Yes. I don't even know what she's doing I don't now. know what she's doing now. I really have, but, I'm really confused. <laughs> I liked the new album, but, yeah, I don't know entirely what she's going for. But um, I think there are kind of these subcategories that artists want to put themselves in that they may necessarily... Like, they might vibe with more than mm-hmm. certain issues and, and things. But I did really appreciate that all of the artists that you named were diverse artists. Mm-hmm. Like, Bruno and Camila Cabello. Yeah. And, you know, and mm-hmm. 
um, I think, and even Despacito being a song in a different language entirely, mm-hmm. like that's yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. So even in times like these where we're having a lot of social and political issues, mm-hmm. and there are things that we're distracting ourselves from, it's nice to see that the music that is popularized is from diverse artists. Yeah. I really respect that, mm-hmm. even if it's like not a commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to see artists like Bruno and, like I said, Camila Cabello, um, you know, representing their own communities. Mm-hmm. I think that's really dope. Yeah. Hmm. Overall, I feel like the Grammys was okay. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I wasn't blown away. I really wasn't blown away. It wasn't <laughs> like there was like it was. It went from like high moments to like very like low, like yeah. ethereal, like. I'm not really interested in it mm-hmm. moments. And then like I'm, and then some of the and then some of the skits um were yeah. just were just too corny for me. They were really cheesy. Yeah, so it's just like I was yeah. laughing actually for a while that the spacing that they had between acts mm-hmm. um was super strange. Like yeah. you had Despacito come out and then following that was like Kesha. Yeah. And it was like this really like amped up like, ah, let's party to like Kesha's like in a really rough situation and like yeah. crying hysterically yeah. I'm like wow this is really strange like one minute I'm really excited I wish they had grouped more of the upbeat and energetic performances yeah and like to, to one them. area like yeah. or just had like um I guess like have um it at be it like Kendrick's performance like started off it was like high energy yeah. like it was still talking about something um a big message but it was still energetic right. um a big um performance and um and you were and you, yeah, and you were interested in it yes um but I feel like um if they like might have placed um wild thoughts probably in the middle I agree. Um, or um, Despacito at the end or like yeah. whatever order would make sense just yeah. to have something in the beginning, middle, and end to keep the momentum of it and then um, somehow place um, like the Pink song. That was a message song and that was more toned down. I feel like yeah. if they did that, I did, um, they put um, Pink before Praying. I feel like the effect of Praying would have had a bigger effect than it did Yeah. Um, um, after um, Despacito. Yeah. So I, I feel like some of the placement was off. Yeah. And then, like how I said with um, Wild Thoughts, the staging was a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I feel like the space in between performances, like when the skits and, like, when um, Corbin came out, I feel like that was a little bit rushed, too. Yeah. So, like, a lot of stuff seemed a little bit rushed and, like, they were trying to do a little bit too much than yeah, I necessary. Agree with that too. So, I feel like that probably made it seem like a little boring and yeah it felt all over the place yeah it felt like a kind of a roller coaster at times yeah i didn't know how to feel there was like a moment where i was crying because kesha's performance was so powerful and pink's performance but then like a minute later it was wild thoughts yeah i was just really confused yeah and i was like because when it first came because like i said before like when i didn't know that if she was supposed to come out at that particular moment Mm -hmm. because and then like i'm still trying to lean off of what I just saw with Kesha. Right. So it's like you go into like such a serious topic and again it it can it goes into the conversation. Yeah. Are we is it like, oh we're talk about this moment, but we're really just gonna gloss over it right now because it's because it's a distract because we wanna distract you with something that's just more fun and happy and stuff like that. So it it kinda makes you think like were they just doing these moments just to have them on there so people would um 
give them credit for actually talking about yeah. certain things. Yeah, the or, placing. The placing mm-hmm. seemed like it was just to make sure that oh we said it, but yeah, we're gonna over exactly. we're gonna we're gonna overshadow it with something that's more fun and yeah, let's dance. Because even because even the um performance with Felicia Cara, um Khalid and um. Logic, mm-hmm. the whole suicide prevention song that he has, mm-hmm. um, with the suicide number. It seemed like, because um, after that, I forget if it was an, another upbeat song after that. Right. So it's like, you're talking about suicide prevention, and then here's another happy song. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, I didn't necessarily want them to put like all of the happy songs together and then all the sad songs together. Yeah, I didn't watching even, that would be really taxing, too. Yeah. It just, it, it was... It was definitely like what you said with pacing. Yeah. That was, I think, the biggest problem for me watching it was going from something so extreme and polar on one end to the complete opposite end. Yeah. I, I wish it was more. I feel it was like more middle ground. Down. Yeah. Middle ground. Like it performances like, I mean, even, even Wild Thoughts, it wasn't like, it was a great performance mm-hmm. and it was upbeat and fun, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like Kendrick's performance. Yeah. Kendrick had a whole thing yeah. that was very, I don't know. It's, and it was very, and like, again, the spacing. It was right. very staged well. It was like very spaced out. Like exactly. he was using pretty much the whole stage for his performance. Yeah. So like, and I feel like if Wild Thoughts, if they put a little bit more planning into it, if mm-hmm. they used the whole stage, it would have been something bigger yeah. to bring the energy back up. Totally. So I feel like it was some missed opportunities, I yeah. would say. Are you, are you, uh, do you follow Ariana Grande at all? Are you into her music? Oh, I like her, um, there's certain songs on her albums that I like, but not all of them. Okay. Um, as a songwriter, um, I don't connect to her as much. Mm -hmm. Like, on certain songs, I connect to her, um, a lot, Mm -hmm. and in certain songs, I just don't. But that's always with artists. Sometimes you connect and sometimes yeah. you don't. Yeah, and then sometimes sure. you sometimes you have to go back to the albums after you go through a certain situation to actually understand what they're talking about. Yeah. So maybe that's just what it is. I kinda wish she had performed I do the only too. reason I brought her up. I yeah. think she's such a good I do. performer. I do too. Um it felt weird that she hadn't been asked in any capacity. She had a lot of like bangers this year too. Yeah, she had a lot of stuff this year. I um, mean, I felt like, um, especially with when they were talking about the whole incidents with the um, killings that yeah, shows. Yeah, because I thought, yeah, I was, yeah, I was like, they talked about it, but you noticed the um, mic situation. Um, there was like a mic situation where you couldn't hear the lady oh, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, when they were doing that, uh, the country artist, mm-hmm. they were singing that song for, yeah. Yeah, and I was talking, was and we were talking about it um, in our sound reinforcement. Sorry, guys, we're talking about like school stuff. But um, I know you know, like, you know Barb, right? Yeah. So we were talking about in the class, like, the reason why that might have happened. Mm-hmm. So, like, um... Yeah, it was clearly know, a technical yeah, error. It was, like a, it was like a technical error. So it was, like, um, mimicking a mic from... Because the mic was working, actually, in the... Um, the actual venue. It was the probably Grammys. not feeding yeah, through to the actual... Yeah, but it was feeding... For the broadcast, it was messed up. That's... Okay. So for a broadcast, it was feeding... Um, from somewhere else so there was like feedback and like people speaking from behind the scenes and it was going into the mic for the broadcast as well as that so it was like that was such bad timing yeah yeah, so it was like bad timing like those issues like when specific moments serious moments it's just like why is this happening during this 
part yeah. and then like certain like because i would have when they were going to talk about it i was like um i feel like ariana grande should be up there talking yeah. about this Totally. Because it was she has like firsthand experience. Yeah, it was yeah. first it was firsthand experience, and the reason why it was um, publicized pretty much was because it was her concert. Yeah. Because it was across overseas, and then she's like a big artist. She's a big, well known artist. So it happened at her concert first. Yeah. So I was. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they were referencing um, the. Uh, the shooting in Vegas. And yeah, the shooting in Vegas too. And then which I forget who was was it Kenny Chesney who was performing? Do you remember who the artist was? It was a country artist that was performing the night that it wasn't Kenny Chesney. Um, mm. I wish I could remember who it was, but I remember he was performing, and you know that that's kind of why the country artist came yeah. to start talking about it. But I thought it was yeah, definitely Ariana definitely deserved a place on that stage to be. Talking about yeah, just too, to talk about it, not even to perform, just to talk about it. Yeah. Cause she was there too. Yeah. I saw pictures of her. Yeah, it was just, uh, it was just interesting. Yeah. And then, like, especially like during the boring moments, everybody was like, "Where's Beyonce at?" And then when Beyonce came in late, everybody started talking about Beyonce instead mm-hmm. of the show. So it's like it's a lot of like interesting stuff that really we should be focusing on the show and like yeah. what the messages are on stage but we're that blue ivy clip by the way yeah she's some, like hosh their parents yeah so funny. it was hilarious i was like <laughs> little kids just are hilarious because to that to her she's like they're just my mom and dad like yeah. nobody just just can you like, imagine though yeah. like, your parents being two of the most successful people in the music industry yeah and like you can't fathom that it's yeah. like mom and dad yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like it's just like um, Diddy, like and his kids. It's just like they're like best friends. Like yeah. him and his kids are like best friends. Like they don't even look at him like, oh, yeah, dad's this and he's did this for his life and made all these big business moves and all this other stuff. Yeah. To it's us, cool. it's, to us, it's like, oh my god, that's your dad. Yeah, and then but to, to them, him, it's he's like, like, you're just my dad. And he's my dad. Like, like to other people, he's Diddy. To him, he's daddy. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's like it's not that romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living this life all my life. It's not that interesting. Yeah. Guys. Calm down. <laughs> Chill. Everybody deals with this. Yeah. So, um, let's get off the news thing for a while. I just want to talk to you about um, you. Sure. So, um, I guess, what made you get into music? Um, I feel like I've just always like been involved in it. Um, it's something that I've just always really loved. Um, when I was... Growing up, I would run around my house and I would just like be screaming like new lyrics on top of songs that I was listening to on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents would take long drives with me all the time and they had mixed CDs in the car. And it was like the weirdest mix of songs you could possibly put on a CD. Like my dad loved mixtapes. And uh, it was never like, you know, here's the Beatles and like some classic rock bands. It was like the Beatles and then random Italian music and Russian dance pop. And because my folks are both Russian. And when they immigrated, they went through Italy. And so they had just like a bunch of random, like apparently popular Italian music that we'd listen to in the car. So I grew up on, like, Italian and Russian music and um, Russian classics, but then also, like, Russian pop and um, American pop and then American classics. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And then also, like, Brit- obviously British rock, you know, mm-hmm. the Beatles and yeah. um, really popular, like, The Who and all of that. So I grew up on, like, a really strange, eclectic mix of music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I just fell in love with singing every time I was in the car. I always had to sing. Um, and I would be running around the house, like I said, just screaming melodies, screaming new lyrics on top of songs. And I was like, I'm going to be a songwriter. I'm going to be a singer. I want to perform. I always wanted to put on concerts for my family members and my friends. Um, I was like the weird kid in school. I would get up in front of the class, like on any given day. And I'd be like, I learned a new song I want to perform. And everyone in my class was like, shut up. And my teacher was like, oh, you're so cute. And like all the teachers really liked me, yeah. but all the kids were like, you're the worst. Um, and I just, I always wanted to perform, um, and I just, I loved it, and, um, I, I was, like, in first grade, and my teacher was like, what does everybody want to be when they grow up, and, like, Joe over there is like, I want to be an astronaut, and she's like, good luck, and, you know, um, talking to, like, little Becky, Becky wants to be a veterinarian, and I always said singer, just, like, from the first time I was asked until now, it's just Mm -hmm. always been the same answer. Um, so I don't know, I guess it was just a mix of having a lot of different music influences in my life, um, with listening, just mm-hmm. strictly with listening to music, but then also, um, my grandfather was a drummer back in Russia, and so he always talked about playing in a band and playing live and how much he loved doing it, and, um, my parents aren't musical, like, mm-hmm. at all, like, my dad's tone deaf, and my mom doesn't do sing or play any instruments. She used to play piano like when she was a little kid, but I think mm-hmm. she like forgets all of it. Um, and so it, it wasn't even like a like I grew up in a musical family. It's yeah. just something that always intrigued me and piqued my interest and yeah. It's always been there. Um speaking of influences, um like what are your influences and how do you feel like it um affected um you creating your own particular style um, of singing or just writing? It's hard. It's hard to answer that. I, I find that to be one of the hardest questions because there are so many different artists that I listen to and I draw influence from so many random things that aren't necessarily an artist's sound. Like, I am so heavily influenced by Lord, but not because I think my music sounds at all like Lord's music Mm -hmm. or like even lyrically I'm similar in any way. It's just certain aspects of her performance style, certain aspects of certain songs that, you know, maybe the, the material that she's writing about the Mm -hmm. the context. Um, I love Ed Sheeran's writing. I think he's an incredible songwriter and, um, I've written a lot of songs inspired by certain phrasing, um, and certain context again that he has in his own songs. Um, I'm like, I love Eminem um, mm-hmm. as a lyricist also. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of my own lyric writing in particular is super like, I love doing um, like witty, like, like, like catchphrases. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like phrases that are like double meaning stuff mm-hmm. um, and internal rhyme within like an already rhymes, a, a rhyme scheme that's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just love his stuff um, lyrically to kind of base off of um, with, like I said, rhyme scheme and, and lyric writing and, like, gotcha phrases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, like, also Taylor Swift, like, mm-hmm. as a songwriter, um, a melody writer, she's got a lot of really catchy things that she does in her own music. Um, so it, it's just, like, 
sometimes it's like a flavor of the day kind of thing. Like sometimes mm-hmm. if I go to write a song and I'm influenced by another song I've heard, I, I've been influenced by like, like, you know, electronic pop music that I heard that was like, you know, some techno weird thing. And yeah. I was just like, I like that one thing that they did in there and I want to draw some influence from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it comes from like a variety of different places, but often my influences are things that I've experienced and mm-hmm. then certain artists that I've listened to in that given period of time that I've experienced, whatever it is I'm writing about that have kind of influenced a particular sound or a melody or, um, like a lyrical idea that I'm trying to experiment with. Um, so I can't, to answer your question, like it's a horrible answer. (laughs) It's not a horrible answer. It's just, it's really what it's hard to boil down to one specific artist. Um, because I find myself so influenced. And I think a, a part of the problem that I've been facing in the last year or so is trying to find my own sound. All right, guys, we're going to take one minute break, a minute break for this, and we'll be right back. All right, bye. All right. Did something happen? No, it's just running out of time. Oh. All right, hi, guys, we're back. Um, continuing the conversation, so so if you were talking about um, like um, your influences, how um, it's kind of hard to like wean it down to a certain like artist that you use for creative purposes mm-hmm. to create your own style in a certain way. Yeah, so. yeah, um, yeah. I've had a hard time with trying to hone my own sound in, in the last year. I did a lot of experimenting with the music that I did release. Mm-hmm. I released six singles, and each single was kind of a different genre um just because I was experimenting with writing styles and production styles Mm -hmm. I was working with a producer who was literally taking all of my ideas that I was giving to him and I'd say like make it sound like this and he would just do it um and so now I think the challenge is kind of sitting down with myself and being honest and saying this is what I sound like as an artist this is my own sound who I want to be as opposed to like trying to be everything because I think the problem I have is like whenever I write, I'm like, I could be a rapper, but I could also be a country artist, but I could also be, you know, a pop artist or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be really hard for me to settle with one sound, with one idea, because okay. I want to be everything. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have so many ideas. And it, like, sometimes you have to just kind of sit down and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to stick to. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really want to get better at that this year and I want to release music this year um, that is truly me and Mm -hmm. is like much more clean and fits exactly what it is that I'm going for yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's the um um I don't know if you know Tanache um Tanache two on two on um no more drama uh, no drama it was her new single um no hands on deck. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. Okay. So she's like a um, person that um, they wanted her to be pop. Like they like her to be a pop person. Yeah. But if you listen to her mixtape, she's more of an R and B. Um, okay. More of a um, she's like a lot of different styles. So it's like hard for her to um, uh, choose one. So yeah. it's like kind of fitting your um, creative aspect of like 
just being very creative and not wanting to fit into one box. Yeah, and, and then it's hard and then you want to be marketable. You yeah, have to fit into that box. Yeah, and then that goes again, going back to what we were talking about before with like um somebody like um a Kendrick Lamar or like um a yeah. childish Gambino. They're more um eclectic in yeah. their choices of a lot of stuff that they choose and a lot of stuff that they write about. Exactly. So um childish it's kind is of a perfect yeah. yeah perfect example of that because especially yeah. with this last up. Uh, last album he released oh. was 2005, right? Is that um, what it was called? The album before, um, the last album he um, put out was um, Awaken My Love. Yeah, and, that was the newest And then that was the newest, yeah, And then before that, um, it was 3,000, I think. I, what was it? No, I thought it was 2005, but I, I could not remember think it, what it was named. What's the name? Because I have it, so I forget what it is. But... Before that, it was again like this is more um, sultry and more of a vocal album. Yeah. Compared to his previous like album, with which is more um, rap, um, rap focused. Yes. So it's like he's, um, and that's why I feel like he doesn't get enough um, credit for being the creative person he is again, oh, because yeah. of him being so broad in his thing. So you can't like particularly like put him in one box. Right. And I feel like that's probably one of the um, issues I kind of have with the industry yeah. is the fact that um, it kind of pigeonholes creatives into a certain box and if you're creative you really aren't in one box because you can go from listening to, especially if um, you just love music period it doesn't matter which genre it is like a certain song can hit you from any genre and okay. like change your whole life around Absolutely. so um, I feel like um, that roadblock and I feel like it's just because it's at the end of the day it's still a business right. so it's business people in charge of creative people and that divide and that like coming together is always hard so I feel like that's a reason why it's a little off um, yeah. but um, going off of songwriting so um, you said that you try to use personal experiences most mostly to write your songs right correct yeah yeah I, I don't know there are artists that can draw from things that haven't happened to them or things they mm -hmm. haven't experienced and I've definitely written songs like that before but they feel less genuine to me they yeah. feel they, they don't feel like I wrote them mm -hmm. um, I've done co-writes with people where we'll write about a topic and it may not necessarily be something that I in, like, entirely have experienced or agree with even, um, but for the sake of the co-write, you know, obviously you have to put your heads together and come up with a final product. And while I end up really liking those songs, there's a quality about it that doesn't feel 100%. Like, like I'm so. in it, you know? Yeah. I, it, I wrote it and I, and I had a part in making it come to fruition and, and be finished in the way that it is, but it doesn't feel home, I guess. Yeah. So I, I like drawing from my own experiences. Um, and I think there's a, a million different ways to say the same thing, and so I, I think that's why it's really cool to write music about your own experiences, because mm -hmm. even if it's something as simple as like falling in love, there's so many different ways you can express mm -hmm. falling in love that doesn't just have to be you saying you fell in love. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really neat, is being able to take a topic as broad and as vague as love, or even like 
the opposite of that. Maybe you can't stand someone. Mm -hmm. I've written plenty of songs about people that I had like a beef with and I like Mm -hmm. wanted to get something off my chest, but I am too, you know, scared Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like a wuss of a person to like Mm -hmm. say it to someone's face. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously like, I don't want to be going out and like fighting with people. If I can just like write a song that like will therapeutically make things better for me. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, there's just a ton of different ways I can say the same thing. Um, and it would, it just feels strange pulling from an experience that I haven't had to write about something when I can pull from something that's already there. Thank you. Makes sense. Um, again, another question I have for you. Um, if there was anything you could particularly change in the music industry, what would you feel like you would be able to tackle and change? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily be able to change it by myself, but mm-hmm. it's something that I would want to tackle and bring more light to. Um, and that is the treatment of women in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, while women are most certainly represented Mm -hmm. and I can see that um, even with like the women who were nominated for awards and the women who came up and performed on the Grammys Mm -hmm. and um, you know all the female artists that obviously exist in the sphere um, it's not necessarily an issue with representation of women more so than it is an issue of how we're treated and I think that's something that is being tackled right now Mm -hmm. but I would like to add my voice to it yeah Um, I've had a lot of friends and I've had my own personal experiences Mm -hmm. with really inappropriate behavior from Mm -hmm. men and not even just like, I mean, yeah, like men, but also like (laughs) coming from a standpoint of the industry and, and executives treating female artists in a way that they get away with because... They're of this, like, higher position yeah. in the mm-hmm. industry. Um, I went to a songwriting retreat back in March of last year. Mm-hmm. And um, it was in California, and I had the opportunity to co-write with a bunch of different artists. Mm-hmm. And what was really cool was one of the days I was placed with these two women who were these, like, incredibly, like, strong-willed, like, very intelligent, um, very self-assured and just, like, super talented women mm-hmm. who were songwriters. And we sat down, and we were like, what do we all have in common? Obviously, we're all, you know, chicks, and, you know, we rock, but what can we write about? And mm-hmm. we are like, oh, my God, it's so easy. Let's just write a female empowerment song, like, about saying no and meaning it. And um, the two women that I was working with, one in particular, was telling me the story about this producer that she was working mm-hmm. with who was a higher name in the industry, and they had a contract together, and he was acting extremely inappropriate to, toward her, mm-hmm. treating her um, not only in a way that was, like, like way too touchy, way too grabby, sexualizing, but also just, like, super condescending, super misogynistic, like, mm-hmm. you're not as good as me because, like, you're just a woman. Um, and it was so disgusting, like, hearing her recount of the story with yeah. this guy who, like, got away with it and, like, was never really truly penalized for his actions Mm -hmm. um it was just like oh well i guess we won't have a working relationship it's done here 
Um, and it was just like insane to me that something like that was just brushed off by the team that she was working with because like, oh, well, he's a really like well-known producer. Like, let's not tarnish his name. Yeah. But like the, his own actions were enough to tarnish his reputation. But the fact that like, he's allowed to do whatever the heck he wants to and he'll get away with it because like, we can't bother like, you know, having his image look bad. But meanwhile, who cares about whoever he hurts? Mm -hmm. Um, it's just insane to me. Um, and it, it happens so much. And, and, um, I had the opportunity to get, you know, a little bit closer in the industry, um, this past summer and hearing stories about like sexual misconduct and like inappropriate situations at work with bosses in the industry. Mm. It's just like, how are we, how are we here after all this time? Like, how is this still happening? Yeah. Um, and it's talked about, and it's great that there's the Me Too movement and, like, all of that happening right now. But it's, it's like, another thing entirely to have something actually be, be done about it. Yeah. And um, we we sat down and we wrote this song, and it was called, like I said, No. Um, and the whole song is just about telling off this producer. And, like, I've had instances where I've played at shows, and men talk to me, like, these creepy old guys that are just like mm, like you're so pretty like sitting at the bar like catcalling me and I'm like I'm doing my job like I, if I'm playing a, a show and it's like even a cover gig and I'm getting paid to be here like you wouldn't come up to like a waiter or a waitress or any kind of staff that's working at you know you're going to Lowe's you're not going to start catcalling the woman who's helping you get something down from a shelf yeah. like that's insane to me <laughs> that you think that you have that authority to, to talk to me like that and to make me feel uncomfortable I've had friends that have played gigs uh, one friend in particular plays cover shows here in South Jersey mm. and she had some experiences with a man who was literally stalking her and would come to every show and wait until she was done her set so he could follow her to the parking lot while she was unloading and it's just insane. And, yeah. and, like, it's it's being tackled verbally. People are like, mm, yeah, this needs to stop. But, like, no one's, like, the, it, I don't know. I, I would want to add my voice to it. I want to add fuel to the fire there because it's something that really bothers me and something that obviously affects me, too, as a woman <clears throat> in the industry. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that I could single-handedly fix it. I don't think yeah. anybody truly could. Yeah. But um, having it brought to life and having one more voice to add to that fire to say, like, hey, this is real, and this happens, and this is so not okay, mm-hmm. could hopefully at least impact one person. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would want to include myself on. Yeah. And I feel like this um, that issue happens even more with... Um, less known artists yeah. because you're trying to climb the ladder of becoming an artist so people feel like they can just give you um, just give you whatever they want oh, yeah. and just do whatever they want to you just to be like oh this is what you just have to go through to get where you are yeah. like and even um, after like before the Golden Globes like Mariah Carey even talked about it she was like um, I'm waiting, still waiting for them to start talking about um, how the music industry is like, yeah. there was an interview with her just talking about it, like, we still need to talk about the, I have stories about the music industry from my own life that I could just talk about, about, like, the issues that are a part of the industry. So it's, like, interesting. Even big names are starting to talk about it, like yeah. Mariah Carey. That's Payne. great. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're coming out yeah. about it. It's just, it's crazy that there are people that don't believe it, too. Yeah. 
Like, how do you not? How do you? There's, there's so much. There's, there's a lot of stuff we like. Again, what we were talking about. We like to be entertained. We yeah. like to be um, swept distracted. away into and be distracted from a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff has been going on for like centuries now, yeah. and still hasn't changed. It's sad. When you think about it. Yeah, the entertainment industry as a whole is really sleazy. I've heard a lot from people who are more into like the acting side of things, mm-hmm. and it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and, you would think, and I always find it more interesting, even not to say that um, you would people that are more logical or stuff like that wouldn't do the same things, but I feel like as creative people and like we're so um, open and we're so like um, more inclined to be accepting of differences yeah. that you would think that um, you would understand some of the reasons why people have an issue with certain things and we wouldn't do specific things. Yeah. So it's just like as a creative person, as somebody that's, you're around a lot of different um, people mm-hmm. that you would understand everybody, at least try to understand each other struggle yeah and try to make at least um that day of their life better yeah by treating them with respect and dignity and stuff like that i just feel it's a little bit interesting kind of hypocritical yeah when you think about it totally i think the people that are in denial about it though aren't involved in the industry yeah i think even like with the weinstein thing that came out there were so many celebrities that were like yeah i knew about it and Mm -hmm. it's like like that is mind-boggling like you knew so it's clarify here that this is something we all know is happening, something that's clearly an issue, and it's no secret, and there's no denial, but you're not helping each other out, like, there's yeah. no real, because there's repercussions if you mm-hmm. if you say something, if you talk, or speak out against somebody of that, that caliber, yeah, yeah, that caliber, that has that big of a, and, and it, it doesn't even have to be a following, it could just be Accolades that mm-hmm. they've acquired over the years. I mean, the, like Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Um, if you threaten to talk, his legal team threatens to sue you for everything that you have. Mm-hmm. And that assertion of power is so corrupt and it's so gross. Mm-hmm. And it just goes unchecked for the longest time until one person finally breaks the silence and then people start slowly but surely coming in with their own stories. Yeah. And then you realize, hey, this is something that's been going on for a really long time and something that has they've tried to address mm-hmm. but has gone unaddressed because you, you could lose your whole life. Mm-hmm. Everything that you care about, everything that you've worked hard for could just be gone if you say one word about it. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. That's sad. And then um, not even just talking about the uh, music industry, um, but when you think of what encompasses the music industry as well, um, the fashion industry. Yeah. So you think about that. Like, um, on The View, I think, like, a few weeks ago, there was three models that came out, and um, male models. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about sexual harassment and how, um, which is oh. something great, something great. And then, like, um, I don't know if you know Terry Crews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he came out about sexual harassment. Yeah, I heard and then about he's, that. And then he's been, um, you notice that, um, um, we still have a lot of double standards. Yeah, I think that's also and, something that isn't addressed nearly as much as it should be. Um, because men get men, men yeah. get sexually harassed. There's there's no 
real representation of that issue. And when it is brought to life, you have a lot of people saying, like, oh, like, suck it up, be a yeah, man about it. Yeah, it's so it's, toxic. It's, and it's, and it's um, even more... Um, and it's even more sad when it's, because um, you expect that um, from men to say that, mm-hmm. but from women, it's still the same verbiage. It's still like, suck it up, deal with it. Like, in other words, like, deal with it. Like, we've been dealing with it forever, so you just deal with it too. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those interesting things that, unfortunately, clouds, not even just the music industry, but the world. Like, yeah. you still need to talk about what goes on in regular workplaces with bosses treating their employees like trash and doing oh, yeah. sexually harassing their employees and stuff like that, that doesn't get talked about. I think there's this really interesting thing that goes on with people uh, in terms of mental gymnastics where they think that because something's ha- been happening a certain way for a long time, that it's okay because that's the way things have always been. Yeah. And it's like, if something really... Can I curse on you? Yeah, if something really shitty has been going on for a long time, and everybody can agree that it's shitty, why would you want that to be the norm? Why would you want to continue that trend Mm -hmm. if this is something that you have so many voices on? Like, I can understand if, like, one person came out and said something was like, I don't even know, I'm not good at analogies, but if someone was like, I hate, you know, when my boss says, you did bad today, Mm -hmm. you know, like, which is fine, like, a boss can tell you, you can have criticism, but if one person came out and was like, we shouldn't have criticism anymore. And then people were like, hey, like, criticism is good. It helps people learn. And, you know, there was, like, a small movement of people. I can understand people being like, hey, like, this is really stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, criticism is necessary in order to improve. But if this is something that's been going on for a long time that a huge number of people are speaking out against and saying, this is not okay, I I can't understand why anybody would be like, oh, please, like, it's been going on for years. Yeah. It's like, well, then make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> Let's maybe make sure it doesn't happen for the next few years that come in the future. Yeah. I think it goes into the aspect of if it's not affecting me or my family, I don't really care about it. Yeah. It's like, it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of, and that goes into a lot of different issues. It's like LGBT issues. Like, yes. you see, like, certain Republicans now, like, they were against it, but, like, somebody in their family or like immediate family it happens it happens 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 to be part of the LGBT now you're for it so it's like it's 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 like human nature unfortunately it It seems like that's just part of um human nature that it's predominantly I need to survive by myself yeah and you can kind of trace that back to the beginnings of time where it was like hunters and then hunters and gatherers. Right. Like you're only looking, you're, you're looking for out yourself and your village. Everybody else on the outskirts is not part of it. Like, I get that in a zombie apocalypse maybe when you're like, I need to survive. Yeah. But like I feel like it's like we've evolved in many ways but yeah. we still haven't evolved in I guess our way of thinking of about the next person. It's empathy. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't exercise empathy to the extent that I think that we should and, I don't know, I, I can't really fathom an argument where people say that empathy is a negative thing, because in every case that I've seen people exemplifying empathy, it's been a great outcome mm-hmm. for everybody involved, you know? People, I mean, that's why philanthropy exists, that's yeah. why there are charities, you mm-hmm. know? Like, helping other people ultimately makes you feel good, and it's 
a good thing to do. It, it's it's rewarding to see somebody, at least for most people, it's rewarding to see somebody else benefited by something that you did to yeah. help them. So, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, if it, even if it's coming from an inherently selfish place, if, if you were to say that philanthropy is inherently selfish because it makes you feel good at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if it benefits somebody else, who cares? Yeah. Just, like, don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. You know? Ah, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And then I feel like social media has even worsened that aspect of it. Just yeah. Because it's made us become a little bit more, even more closed off. As so technology too. grows, I feel like we become even more and more closed off yeah. from the people around. Like, even I've noticed in my own life, like, um, because, like you, like me and you grew up around the same time. So we grew up before, like, cell phones. Like, when we got a cell phone, we literally got it, like, probably, like, high school or like late middle school yep. like we didn't grow up with technology no, at, all. No, not at all so we, there was like a learning curve with it so i feel like i've become more socially awkward because yeah, I, and i feel, I feel like i feel like that too like i feel like i was a little bit more um even though i was very quiet and i'm still pretty quiet mm-hmm. like naturally that's just naturally my personality mm-hmm. but i feel like even um with friends some of the um, freedom that I used to have between us, like just to talk naturally, is kind of gone and kind of lost yeah. because it's um, we're always on our phones. Yeah. And then, like, even like with this podcast, it's like I have to create a certain like image on social media. I have yeah. to c- constantly post up um, videos and constantly put up content so you stay people stay um interested in it and like um i don't know if you can talk about it for yourself because um um you have an instagram page and you do like um what is it called like sophia mondays like certain monday things like just to keep people interested in your content just can you like um talk about that for like a few minutes sure um i was doing it actually last year and i'm switching off to something a little bit new this year but last year every single monday um of the week yeah every week mm-hmm. um, I would post a new Soph Music Monday and it was basically um, kind of a free form uh, Facebook video that I would put up whether it was like a live me just chatting with people and asking people um, you know what they're up to performing live on Facebook live um, doing like a QA. and a um, and then sometimes I had pre-recorded covers that would be put up but it was every Monday mm-hmm. and it was just to fill content and it worked out really, really well. I got um, a, a more of a following mm-hmm. on the internet from doing that on a weekly basis. And it was really cool to kind of build my audience and meet people. Um, but, like, again, are you really meeting people? Yeah. It's online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was a little bit taxing, I found, to have to have something ready every Monday. I think it would have been a lot easier if I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. But being that I was playing gigs and writing music and doing schoolwork and going to classes and then also having to have this priority every week, there were some weeks where I just straight up didn't want to do it. And I was like, well, I have to. So I would, like, get ready really fast. And I'd come on and I'd be like, we're doing a Q&A or, like, we're, you know, we're just hanging out today. I'm going to mm-hmm. play a few songs. And um, you start to kind of fall out of love with, doing and posting content because it it feels less like this is an original idea that I created and here's like a song that I pre-recorded that I'm really proud of and like 
while there were certain projects that I posted that had taken time and like were done months in advance, for the weeks that I didn't feel like posting something or I didn't have content ready for that week, it was just taxing. Like it was just exhausting. I, I wasn't in necessarily enjoying myself yeah. on those weeks that I was like, I have to post something, but you have this kind of obligation to post on social yeah. media to keep everybody interested. Um, and it's hard to balance. I think, I think if I had, you know, like a team of people helping me out and if it yeah. wasn't just me doing everything by myself, then it wouldn't have felt like such a, an annoying obligation. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy doing it because there were certainly a lot of times that I did. But like I said, on the weeks that I had like finals or I was like in another state because I was like with my family or like my boyfriend and I were doing something, you know, on a, some random Monday, I think Christmas fell on a Monday actually this year. And I was at his house. Yeah. I was at his house on Christmas and like, there wasn't going to be any point in the day. I didn't have anything pre-filmed because I had had finals and then break and Christmas and it was all stacking up and I didn't have any time to film anything and I was at his place and there was no point in time I was going to be like hey let me just step away from your family right now that I'm really enjoying my time with and like step off in the other room and record a soap music Monday mm-hmm. um so you know it, it's um it's hard to juggle I am doing something a little bit different this year where I'm just posting one video every month mm-hmm. and it's going to be soap music monthly instead of Monday yeah. um <laughs> but that's going up on Friday mm-hmm. of this week. Um, and I'm doing a vlog style video as well as a song cover. Okay. So um, I want to do more like original stuff this year too. I want to put up like pre-recorded videos of me like singing, you know, singing songs that I've just newly written. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm going to start incorporating that too. But the first one that I'm going to be putting up is on Friday. And I'm still deciding if I want to do like two videos where like one is a vlog and I'm going to put that up and then I'm going to put up a separate cover. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm just going to encompass it in one video, I have both of them like filmed and ready. So I just don't know mm-hmm. how exactly I want to post them yet. But that's going to be kind of the plan. And it gives me time to plan everything out and yeah. to, you know, not worry for... Like, I have a whole month to do it. Yeah. So I think it'll make it a lot easier on me, and I can focus on writing more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to focus on playing some more shows once I graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, getting out there um, with songwriting and with releasing music and kind of honing who I am as an artist. Yeah. I'm just going on that um, tip, actually. Um, do you have any, like, singles you want to promote or um, anything that... Um, since you were posting content like this week on Friday, yeah. Um, do you have any um upcoming performances um around the week or next week or somewhere around there? Um, you want to talk about? Sure. Well, actually, um, I don't have anything coming up performance-wise for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh my goodness, for the past how many years now? I started when I was fifteen. So, like, seven years, I've been playing cover gigs mm-hmm. um, where I would just kind of, like, go to restaurants, wineries, bars, whatever, whatever, and I would play for, like, two to three hours, sometimes four hours, um, just cover material, and um, I did that as kind of, like, a part-time job on the side so I could make money, and I decided officially at the start of this year um, that I'm going to be quitting um, I have some gigs lined up already that were like pre-booked yeah. way in advance, 
and I think the last one is actually in December of this year. Um, so I still have somewhere to go, but I just decided I don't want to be doing cover gigs anymore. Like I'm not, I don't like playing. I, I like playing other people's songs if I have like something interesting to add to it. Like yeah. there's certain covers that like I have a lot of fun with because I really like the song mm -hmm. and it's fun to perform. Yeah. But sitting for four hours and singing to a room full of people as background music has just always been something that kind of sucks the life out of performing yeah. for me. So I think I'm going to, I decided I'm going to quit and um, I'm going to be focusing on doing bigger gigs. I started off the year performing at the Strand Theater in Lakewood. And it's this really big venue um, and I opened for this like Fleetwood Mac cover band or tribute band, sorry. Um, and that was like a really cool performance, so I really want to do more of that. I'm looking to actually be involved with the Lantern Fest again this year. Last um, last year, like over the summer and in the beginning of fall, um, there's this. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like like Chinese lanterns. Like you light them up and mm -hmm. they fly into the sky and you I don't watch think them. I've heard, I don't think I've heard that. Can I show you a picture? Yeah. They're so cool, dude. Um, there's this like huge Lantern Fest, and it goes on every year. There's like a few different organizations that do it. But um, the one that I was involved with was literally just called the Lantern Festival. Mm -hmm. And um, that, let me see, Lantern Festival. I'll show you like a picture of it. Okay. It's so pretty. But I was asked to open for uh, four separate events. And the biggest turnout, I believe, was 17,000 people for one of them. Um, and it was like the most surreal experience I've ever had. Like it was so cool. This is what it looked like. I knew that was cool. And I wait until that, at night, and like I had the performance at like seven, and the sun would start to go down, and then by the end of the night, like people were lighting their lanterns, and they would fly up into the sky, and yeah. um, so so cool. Um, so I really want to do more with that. They're traveling to a bunch of different states, and I was mm -hmm. just speaking with the um, promoter of that event about which states I could possibly be in. So um, I really want to do some traveling. I'd love to like tour if mm -hmm. I could do that. It would be amazing. Um, and I really want to get like a band behind me because that's something that I haven't had. Um, I really want to get musicians behind me that are like committed to touring and like mm -hmm. going out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been hard to kind of find people that are like committed yeah. to actually going places. Yeah. Um, because I find that people are like, oh, yeah, like, I would love to be in your band, and then, like, they won't show up for a rehearsal. Yeah. Um, so once I can, like, guarantee that, then I'm sure it'll be a lot easier. But um, aside from that, actually, today is uh, a year from my first single release. Great. Yeah. Um, can you tell them about the um, single? It was called Ghosts. Ghosts. Um, it was released on all digital and streaming platforms last year, um, a year ago from today. And it was something that I had worked really, really hard on for like a year beforehand. Um, not just that one single, but I had this single series project that I did last year where I released one song a month for the first six months of 2017. Mm -hmm. And um, definitely a really interesting thing to do as an artist that doesn't really have a huge following. Um, I saw this band that I really like called Oh Wonder mm -hmm. that released one song a month for a year and they built up their following by doing that but I think the difference is they had like a major distributing deal yeah so that always so helps so it like was mm -hmm. on Spotify on playlists that were recommended to me mm -hmm. and I was like I could try that mm -hmm. and then did it and was like oh 
but how are people going to find me if I'm not on a playlist? Yeah. So. There's a lot of stuff. Still working on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I did that. And that was interesting. Um, and I have six singles out on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and all the those fun places. Mm -hmm. um, but I really want to actually get like a music video done for one of those songs or maybe even a new song that I might release this year. Um, I have some songs that I have written that I'm really proud of that I think are kind of going in a new direction with my music mm -hmm. and um, kind of in that direction I was telling you about with like honing my sound yeah. and really like understanding who I am as an artist mm -hmm. and like not pigeon pigeonholing myself necessarily but like finding a place for myself where like trying to find a foundation yeah like a sound that is like ah oh, that's definitely so mm -hmm. um, so I really want to get that finally established this year um, and it, it kind of falls really nicely with the fact that I'm graduating in May because mm -hmm. um, I'll have all of this time now to focus on my music and not have to balance 30 different things I just started a part-time job too so like now I have that mm -hmm. to focus on for the time being um, mm -hmm. until I graduate and then inevitably you know I'm homeless <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I just I really want to kind of get school out of the way so that I can really take this as seriously as I've been wanting to mm -hmm. my whole life, but it's kind of been, it's not necessarily been put on the back burner. Um, like anytime I've had an opportunity while I've been in school, I've taken it and I don't, I don't care if I miss however many classes I need to, mm -hmm. if it's something that's going to improve my career and mm -hmm. like bring me in a direction that I, I've been trying to go in. But um, it's definitely been harder to do certain things or to travel to certain places, being that I'm broke and in college. And yeah, it's a tune I think I know everybody struggle. hears things. Struggle. <laughs> yeah. struggle. It's, it's frustrating. So I want to be done so that I can just go out and like do everything that I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, going off that. And then just speaking on like the whole topic of the cover bands and you feeling like and just doing stuff and feeling like background music mm -hmm. and um, stuff like that um, and then like the feeling taxed by doing stuff weekly and now you're changing it to like a monthly plan to make it seem more a little bit more authentic than it um, was before yeah. like, I understand it because like even with this podcast that I'm doing like some weeks I like had to I couldn't even record like before like with Brittany it was a scheduling issue Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes we'll be scheduling issues. We're both in college, school, and inevitably, we're learning about the industry we're trying to be into. So, it's important to us to get all the knowledge we can possibly get. So, sometimes stuff has to go in the back burner. And, like, even um, just keeping, like, interest on it has been, like, something very interesting. I've seen that um, even on the YouTube channel now that I have a YouTube channel, I post uh, um, the podcast on there. It seems like the... Um, while there's interest in the podcast, it's not necessarily shown on um, YouTube, mm -hmm. but it's more shown on, like, Spreaker, which is, like, the um, system I use to actually bring the podcast to life. Okay. So it's, like, it's more of um, a content switch. Like, there's more um, people for Spreaker that just listen to the podcast on this certain platform. But, like, when it comes to, like, the reaction videos I have, like, between, like, me doing it or, like, me and Brittany doing reaction videos it seems like that gets more um, more views, but mm -hmm. even that doesn't get like 
either likes or dislikes or comments or stuff like that. So yeah. it's like hard to feed in. So sometimes I understand like it feels taxing. It's like, why am I still doing this? And nobody's like really appreciating it or like even viewing it. Yeah. So I understand it. Um, and sometimes it gets like other creativity. Like I had this idea for this long and like it was a creative idea and like, you know, so many ideas and then it's like nobody's really listening. Yeah. So it goes. No, in, I totally. I it go. It goes into. It goes into that. the aspect. But I. But just talking to like people that I know and like just the reason why I even came up with this whole idea for it is because I feel like there's no podcast out there that talks directly to um, either college students or just unknown artists. Period. Mm-hmm. That just talks about um, the inner workings of it. Yeah. Um, and then talks about everybody that's part of creating what we see on the big stage, like the Grammys. Right. Like, we don't talk to the um, creative designers. We don't talk to the songwriters. We don't talk to the fashion designers. Right. We don't talk to the photographers. We don't talk to the videographers. Yeah, there's so much We don't talk to the choreographers. We don't talk to them. So, like, my main purpose of this whole podcast was to try to bring light and from the beginning, it's um, obviously going to be um, more often that you hear like a singer come on, like a singer come on, or um, a producer, or like a rapper come on. Yeah. Because that's, they're like the main thing that you look at when you get on stage. So obviously they're going to be trying to get as much publicity as possible. But um, I've been trying to, because um, I have even friends that like, are into fashion it's like fashion designers and stylists and stuff like that so it's like one of my duties in my opinion to try and get um, a little bit more um, uh, diversity mm-hmm. with the whole because what I'm talking about is the music industry and the artist is not just the music industry there's a whole bunch of people that need to be um, recognized for it so um, again I think we're gonna take another short break, guys, and then we'll be right back. Okay, guys, we're back for another point of this conversation. I'm just gonna talk about a quick news story since we're talking about the Grammys. I just want I was looking at some like music business news stuff, um, especially about the Grammy Awards since we were talking about that. Um, and then um, here's a a good thing because I didn't even know there was like rumors about. For the Grammys, that it would be like a tribute to like Aretha Franklin. Oh, really? and like there was rumors about it, and that like Jennifer Hudson or somebody was supposed to um, perform about it. But I just looked at Billboard today, and it seems that um, Jennifer Hudson is going to play Aretha Franklin in the biopic. So, that is so cool. So yeah, so I'm just reading about it, um, and like um, if you go on Billboard.com and go to the news panel. Um, it just recently went up at like ten thirty today, um, and it's like Jennifer Hudson talking about um, how she's just like she had like she's just very humbled by the fact that Aretha Franklin would want her to actually portray her. So it's like something interesting, and I love Jennifer Hudson anyway because just 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 the and when you. She started on American Idol mm-hmm. and was literally told by Simon that she would never like work yeah. again. And I'm so just, glad you knew that. Yeah. yeah. And the whole fact that Dream Girls happened, and after that, it's like every time she's on stage, she just electrifies it. Yeah. So it's just like, and then you have this, 
She's such a powerhouse. Yeah, and then this, and then it's not even just that, but she got to, when she won her first award, it was given to her by Whitney Houston, who was one of her idols. Wow. And now she's getting to play one of her idols. And so it's like, I can't just, just. Can you imagine, like, being her in yeah, that moment? I don't think I could do it. Like, I probably would faint. Like, to be <laughs> honest, like, I don't even know if I could do it. Like, there's so many artists that, like, even me as a singer and, like, a songwriter as well, it's, like, hard to, like, be like, oh, like, if this happened, like, I don't know if I could, like, fathom it. Yeah. Like, and there's, like, certain things that happen even just starting to perform because I've, um, it's been so long. Like, I just started, like, a few years ago, um, performing, just singing in church. And I, like, it's always been, it's always been something that people have been telling me I should do. Like, because, like, I've always singing around the house. My parents just yell at me all the time. Like, You're always singing. Like, just go somewhere and sing. Yeah, it's a very familiar story. Yeah, and then, like, because I'll just sing around, just randomly at night, like, when they're sleeping. They'll be like, oh my God, can you shut up? Like, we're trying to sleep. And I'm like, but this song is on. I had to see it. And I'm trying to figure out this. I feel it I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out this run because it's not coming out this right way. You do that too? Yeah, like, I literally, oh like, you should see me. Like, literally, I, like, before you even came in, I was looking at videos and practicing <laughs> runs. Like, Wait, have you ever gone on Breaking Down the Run? Um, or yes. Breaking Down the Riffs. That's breaking Down the Riffs and yeah. um, what's her name? Um, oh, God. I know exactly Because Avery Wilson was on there. Mm-hmm. And I love Avery Wilson. That's another thing. We can talk about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I go on that. I go on certain things. like, And even that, like, I watched one video and I watched a specific video with Avery Wilson on it where mm-hmm. she was breaking down the runs of um, the song that he sang. Um, certain songs that he was saying and mm-hmm. certain songs she was saying. Um, but it's always interesting to me. I, like, I'm kind of like, I classify myself as a music nerd because I literally will, like, research. It's like a, like, a rabbit hole. Like, once I start, <laughs> it's like, you go down, yeah. down, 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 down. And then, like, by the end of the day, it's like, oh, you almost missed class today because <laughs> you're researching this. And you yeah. should be researching homework and doing this thing. <laughs> so it's like. I mean, kind so, of are. Yeah. This is pretty much homework when yeah, you really think so about it. So, um, I just wanted to talk about that. And uh, I really had—I just had a news article talking specifically about what we were talking about before with the whole issues of uh, sexual harassment in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, even—I I thought it was great seeing Kesha get up there, mm-hmm. all of those women mm-hmm. behind her, and like. Singing. Yeah. Um, Baby Rexa was with her, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Andra Day was there. I love her. I love her voice. It's so it's a ti- she has a timeless sound to her. Mm-hmm. I just live for it. I thought that was really cool that they came up. I just I, I do wish it was like you said with the pacing. It was highlighted better than mm-hmm. it could have been. It was definitely a big moment, and yeah. there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. And people were talking about it, but I do wish that thematically they had either stuck to a theme. Yeah. Because I feel like they had so many things that they were throwing out in the Grammys, all of these different issues that needed to be highlighted. But mm-hmm. I wish that they had stuck with either making it entirely about that mm-hmm. versus like this weird, here's an issue, but then let's gloss over it with some mm-hmm. poppy music. Then here's another issue that this is really, really serious and demands your attention right now. Mm-hmm. But then let's switch to another thing that has nothing to do with that. It, it felt like there were a lot of issues that either shouldn't have been brought up at all because they couldn't be 
reflected in that space and in yeah. a way in the strength that they needed it to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought her performance was really powerful. I wish that it was something that was, I don't know, more talked about yeah. than it is. Yeah. I, I, That's one of those I don't know how to even, I feel like I'm just complaining. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to do that because at least it's being shown. Yes. But it's like you feel there's certain ways that certain things should be executed in a way. Yeah. That, I don't know. But I'm um, getting into this story. Like, um, Universal Music Publishing Group Chairman CEO Jody Gerson, um, who's a um, female CEO. Hi. Um, so um, she's talking about, um, and sh- the title of this is on um, her opinions on why the music industry has yet to have a Me Too movement. So speaking mm. on to what we're waiting. <laughs> yeah, so what's it? Yeah, so within like the next definitely within this year, we're gonna see some stories coming out from artists mm-hmm. that are gonna be highlighting some yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um and she um it's just kind of talking about um just her um I guess what she's been doing as a publisher during her um three years running the um and this is a near billion dollar music publish publishing company. So um, she's been in charge of it. And um, even just talking about her being a female in this industry and in charge of something this big, it's like a rarity. Yeah. Um, and she's saying, I'm trying to get it, trying to do this very good. Um, and then she even talks about um, how being a music publisher is not even publicized at all. She's like, um, my goal was not to be a music publisher. And then she's like, and then she laughed in the interview and she was like, not everybody even knows the job actually exists. Music publisher? Yeah, my, like people don't even know that that job even exists as a job. I guess not. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's a very interesting article just to get it from specifically a female yeah. in the industry and then a female that's that high up. Yeah. And in charge of um, probably one of the, uh, a huge, Universal Music is a big, um, it's like one of the top three, the three top um, music companies. Yeah, it's um, it's Universal, Sony, and Warner Chapel. Yeah, Warner Chapel. So being that big and being um, someone that's regarded at such a high esteem. It's just an interesting topic to talk about. Yeah. So, if you guys want to look up this article, um, go on Billboard, and um, I guess you should search um, for Jody Gerson, and it should pop up right after that. But um, if you guys want to read something um, specifically from somebody in the industry and like a huge um, name in the industry, I think it's important that we research stuff like this. Absolutely. Um, and then going into streaming. And I know you since you've released music on uh, on Spotify and all the rest of the stuff, mm-hmm. um, this will talk to you um, more. Um, so I was talking about um, Spotify and how the free Spotify account can look very different. Too. So I was talking mm-hmm. about, yeah, so I was talking about... Um, what does that look like? I have a um, actually have no idea. So, um, what they're talking about in this, um, it says that this, um, in this article from the, um, entrepreneur, um, it says Spotify freeloaders, your days may be numbered. According to, um, digital music news, Spotify is beginning to cave to pressure from the music industry over its free streaming service, music, um, streaming service. Um, 
and it says, while Spotify will probably keep offering a free version of music streaming, excuse me, I can't talk today, <laughs> non-paying users should expect big limitations starting next year. For example, non-paying users might only be able to access one or two songs from a popular album, oh. and new albums may, could be delayed until after a launch period, or free users might only have a specific amount of time to stream music. Which is interesting when you think about it. And it says about three, and then going to like some um, numbers, um, about three quarters of Spotify's users are non paying. Mm -hmm. So the push towards its higher tier $10 per month could be a major test for um, Spotify's perceived value. And when you think about it, that really would test it. Because if it's two thirds, if it's two quarters, that's half of the um, population of Spotify users. So it's like half the people are free users and half the people are premium. So it's like they might lose half of their... I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't know about Spotify until my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. um, I was turned on to it um, actually by my boyfriend at the time. Well, can, still my boyfriend. He's here. Anyway. He, um, <laughs> he was like, I just discovered this new streaming service because mm -hmm. we were both using... Um, iTunes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so it's like, well, I mean, Apple Music, I think, was around already, but like, I wasn't using Apple Music. Yeah. I was just using iTunes. And um, he was like, it's so great. I love this. Um, you should get Spotify. There's a student discount. You can get it for five bucks a month. Yeah, because that's what I have right now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. So I hopped on board and I have not looked back. Um, and I feel like I forgot that it is offered for free, that mm -hmm. it's not a a premium service for everyone yeah. and I've talked to so many people over the years about listening to music and almost everybody I talk to has a Spotify account mm -hmm. like it's just become so so popular I think it's actually the biggest streaming service I think today. so at the, at the moment yeah and it just seems crazy to me that I don't know I I can't understand anybody using Spotify for free because you don't really get anything already from it like you have it's basically Pandora yeah it's basically, that's it really free. what it is so, it's not, I don't know, I don't think, my prediction for it is that they're not going to have a huge crash mm -hmm. with people leaving or, like, the people who were listening for free already probably weren't using it a ton anyway. Mm -hmm. So, I, I can't see it. I mean, if anything, more people will convert to a premium subscription, especially if they're offering a student discount. So many of the people that stream music nowadays are younger. Yeah. Um, and I mean, ten bucks a month if you're not a student is not the worst thing in the world yeah, if then, you want music as opposed then, to buying an album. Yeah, and when you really think about it, Netflix is only ten dollars a month. Yeah. Hulu's probably yeah. fourteen at most mm -hmm. a month. And well, for actually, you get a free um, if you have Spotify. I think if you have the oh yeah, you get, discount, you get a free. And then Hulu. Um, actually, Sprint has actually did something too with it where you get Hulu for free as part of the plan. Yeah. So um, that's another business thing that's been going on with streaming sites and yeah. phone companies to try and bring more customers in. But I think that's really smart. Yeah. I think especially for Spotify. I don't know if I agree with the move to Hulu because I'm not a huge Hulu user. Yeah. I'm a big Netflix person. Mm -hmm. But um, I have both, so. What do you, what do you watch on Hulu? Um, I, I mean, usually... Right? Yeah, um... The thing with Netflix that I um, wish they implemented is that um, 
the shows that already are on, mm-hmm. I wish that um, what Hulu allows is that um, if it's on Hulu, it comes in like an out the day of or like an hour or two after the broadcast of the specific show. So you actually get it quicker than um, you would actually get it on Netflix. Okay. So that's one of the reasons why, one of the um, reasons why I like it over there. Okay. And one of the main reasons I actually got a Hulu account in the beginning was because of a show called Underground. It was talking about like um, slavery. Um, just It was like a good like um, show about like the interworkings of slavery and okay. like um, different aspects of slavery from um, each perspective, from the African-American perspective and the um, white perspective that I thought was a good show. Unfortunately, it was canceled. What? Yeah. Unfortunately, it was canceled, but it's still, it's still on um, Hulu. Okay. Um, Is it, like, just the first season? Um, it, it was actually two seasons. Okay. Um, so, at least it was two seasons of it. Um, Did you get any closure? No, not at all. It should have been... It, oh. it, it was, like, it was like cut in, like, a... You know how shows get cut off in a certain way where it's like, you could have just kept it going until the end of the season, but you didn't have to do that to us. Dude, actually, I had the same, obviously not as, like, powerful of a show. Mm -hmm. Like, it it was about people that, like, died and then came back to life. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was called The Returned, and it was on, uh, it was on TV first, and then they put it on Was that on TNT? It might have been. So I think I saw an episode of it. It was like, I was in it. Like, Mm -hmm. I was hooked. And they had a season of it, and then they ended on this, like, insane cliffhanger. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then they canceled it, and they put it up on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Anyway, even though there was no season two. And there's just season one, and it's just hanging out in a little bubble on Netflix, waiting to be watched by people who will inevitably get angry that it's no longer a show. Yeah. It's one of those things that happen. But um, I just find it interesting because the fact that it's half of Spotify's users mm-hmm. is just interesting. That's still half. And then when I you think, and then, and then, and then when you think about just um, how Spotify pays artists, it's, it's, so it's just, trying to it's get just they're trying them. to get better. And then um, we can talk about. Um, Going on to another streaming service, we can talk about app, Apple, and then they're trying to be more um, transparent about the royalty scheme for music. With their, I heard um, about that. Yeah, so that's another um, article we can look at on um, entrepreneur.com. Um, it's talking about how um, Apple is proposing a radical change in the way artists are paid when it, when their music is streamed online. And uh, um, they're saying the suggestion could hurt um, rivals like Spotify and Google. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think of Google and YouTube, yeah, because you see there's so many videos where it's just the music is posted on there and the artist is not getting credit right at all, yeah, and it's good. so it's gonna be interesting how these new laws are being in- implemented mm-hmm. and how it's gonna actually affect the artists yeah. and just the consumers of it. Because at the end of the day, there should be a marriage at the end of the day between the artists getting paid what they deserve and the consumers feeling like they have the access to um, receive the music as well. So it's always, I look at, I try to look at it as both the consumer and try and take the creative creativity hat off. Right. When I look at some of this stuff, to yeah. try and give a more informed opinion on it. Yeah. Because I don't want to be like, oh, artists need to get paid and da 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 da. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm still a consumer too. Yeah. 
because I'm in the same boat that you are because yeah. I want to obviously enjoy the perks of streaming music, mm-hmm. and I use Spotify personally. Mm-hmm. Like. I can't be the person that's like, Spotify's terrible. I don't get paid for my streams. Mm-hmm. And also consume it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to be very nimble in your aspects of it. So mm-hmm. you have to try and think for both sides of the coin. Yeah, there's it's definitely something that's tough um, to figure out like, what exactly to do in that situation. And there, it's been a talk that's been going on for such a long time with how to make sure everybody's equally compensated mm-hmm. and, and it feeling like they're actually getting paid for their art. Mm-hmm. Cause it's important. Your art isn't, you know, it, it, they spend so much money. Artists spend so much money in the studio and on videos mm-hmm. and getting their work to be completed in a certain way. I mean, there's a budget for this yeah. and for it to be just consumed for free. You know, it's not, yeah. that's not acceptable. And that's why, um, um, speaking of, and then we come to another story about um, a streaming service. Um, since um, I don't know if you know Title, yeah, um, Jay Z's um, own um, co-owner to Title now. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this whole Sprint deal, like, um, and I was since I have Sprint, I got it for six months free. Okay. So, um, what are your thoughts? Do you like Title? Um, I the thing is, what I really respect about Title um, and the whole implementation of it is that. Um, from looking at um, the percentages of what artists get paid for their creations, um, it's much higher than Spotify and um, Apple Music and stuff like that. Okay. So I have been the fact that it was created specifically by an artist himself um, um, makes it even more um, credible to me to support. Right. It's more personal. It's more personal, and it's, and I feel like the content that's posted on uh, title um is more um geared it's while it's geared to um consumers definitely um it's also geared to people that are part of the industry too there's a lot of informational videos on it it gives you like in-depth interviews with the actual artists on I heard it. About that. that's if you get the premium yes um and um i feel like um the quality of the stream because they have like this like high like this high um, quality um, yeah, like aspect that like HD thing um, that's part of the um, premium thing too as well. Um, so I feel like it. Um, the only thing that I wish I wish it had the um, amount of music that like a Spotify would have. That's the only. Okay. It, that's probably the only issue I have, and that's probably why it's not. Um, as popular as Spotify because of the library but I feel like this is like the start and like we should try and frame stuff around this aspect of streaming services because I think the problem that you run into with that in particular is that when you have something that comes out that is let's say Spotify costs Let's say for everybody it was five dollars, mm-hmm. and it comes out, and artists get paid very small amount. But let's just say like it's five dollars a month. Everybody's hopping on this bandwagon because it's only five dollars a month, mm-hmm. and people would rather pay for a streaming service, especially if it's cheap and they're guaranteed the music, than pirate music because you have to go out of your way to pirate music. Mm-hmm. You have to go out of your way to like go online and find music and torrent it. It's it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's it's not. easy to access. 
I'm more willing to pay for something if it doesn't take an extra second of my time. Mm -hmm. I think the problem comes in when you have a service that's charging a certain amount and then another service comes in and says, hey, we have higher quality music, which oftentimes people don't really care about too much. Yeah, that's the problem. And we're more expensive. We're, let's say, like for Tidal, when they first came out, they were like, we're $10. I think originally it was like $15 a month, and then they changed it. Yeah, I think it was. It was... It was around there. Yeah. It was definitely around there. People saw that and thought it was like ridiculous, ridiculous because here they have this service that they're paying much cheaper for. They get more music and they don't care about the audio quality. 99% of people aren't audiophiles that are like, mm, I need this in 4K. Like, yeah. People don't care. Um, and I think it's a good approach to not necessarily maybe the, the right way to attract people. Yeah. Like if, if Title had something about it when it first came out that attracted people that was more than what Spotify has. Like, I don't even know. I, I, I couldn't even tell you the answer because, like, otherwise I'd have my own streaming company. Yeah. But they have to find a way Because I feel like the video... Because when it comes to the videos, I feel like they yeah. beat Spotify. They beat... Yeah. Out the water. But then what about YouTube? Like, you can just stream those videos on YouTube for free, can't you? I mean, some uh, videos, I guess, were title exclusive, yeah, right? Most of them are title exclusive, so you have to get it off the title too but then that's when you like if it costs more yeah. to pay for title I feel like that's when people start to pirate music yeah. videos mm -hmm. or torrent them it's yeah. like well I can't I don't want to pay ten, you know five extra dollars for the service mm -hmm. and then I think it goes into another aspect of the change in the music industry is that when you really think about it we used to pay ten twelve thirteen sometimes $17 for an album. Yeah. And now it's like, that's like absurd that you yeah. pay for it. Like, because now everything's about the one ninety nine, or I guess on iTunes now it's one twenty nine or something like that yeah. for a song. I um, feel like, yeah, iTunes ruined that when they yeah, started like, when, when it was like, um, now it's single-based. So yeah. everything's single-based. It's not about the whole project. People just pick and choose. Um, what singles they like off an album just buy it like that and it's, it kind of took away the importance of what an album actually is and what the criti creativity and the story of of um, what it, an artist is trying to portray yeah. like and then you have artists like say Beyonce and like Prince and like those caliber artists like um, they'll have like videos like the like, Prince movie the movies for Prince's albums were literally what Beyonce is doing now. Yeah. Is that he will perform, it will be a movie, it will have a storyline, it will have all that other stuff, but it coincides with the album. Mm -hmm. And then it's the same thing with Beyonce, the whole formation aspect of it. Right. And then even before that, when she re released her self-titled album, that was the first time she actually did the whole thing with the videos connecting to each other. Yeah, I remember that. So that, that created a whole new trend too. So now it's like, if you don't have a video, you're screwed too. Yeah. But then if you don't have a way of viewing that video, that isn't, like, you can only view that video if you pay for it. People mm -hmm. never had to pay for videos. I think yeah. that's another thing. Yeah, that's if you could thing. always access videos for free on YouTube, mm -hmm. why would you want to pay money to watch a video on another service? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a problem that comes in with including videos in it, because it makes sense from an artist standpoint of, like, mm -hmm. Well, now my true fans will watch, but that's the thing is that only your true fans are going to go in and, mm -hmm. and spend the money to watch the video and buy the album. Yeah. Even if it's just like a cent more, people are stingy. Yeah. 
And you like, I don't know, it's like if you give like a little kid like a candy bar and it's like chocolate and it's their favorite flavor and they go, oh my god, I love chocolate. And then you go, well, here's a lollipop instead. Like, what do you think? It's like, I like the chocolate. (laughs) Exactly. So, it's tough. It's tough. I just feel like um, that's the the a foundation you should have, and yeah. then like, cause even with now what they're doing, um, I feel like they're working on it to make it a little bit more marketable. And I feel like if they um, when they first came out, maybe the price was lower. Mm-hmm. I feel like the um, the um, perception in people's minds would be a lot different, and they would, they would give it a little bit more of a chance. Yeah. Then um, now, because now they're doing a whole bunch of stuff to try and um, give it a little bit more um, mainstream appeal yeah. by going with Sprint and then stuff like that. And then having that whole six-month period with Sprint users and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's smart, because if yeah. you like the service, yeah, then you'll, six you'll months con- after, you're going to want to continue you're, that You'll continue it. Um, it's just... Very interesting when you think about the whole business aspect of it for both sides. Because in the end of the day, it's still business. Again, it's a music business. And unfortunately, creatives come at the end of making money. So it's always an interesting balance between both of those. I think you can have music in a space that's lucrative and also creative for you, but it might not necessarily be mainstream. I think that's it's like the fusion of those two things that's the hard part that's yeah. why making it is so tough because you have to be able to release music that people like obviously but then also be true to yourself yeah like, you have to be yeah. true to who you are as an artist and make money and there's sale. I don't know There's you hear so many stories of artists who get signed to labels mm-hmm. who get a contract for like a single deal and if it flops and people don't listen to the single you're indebted to the label for mm-hmm. a ridiculous amount of money and like you can't you, you know they give you the um the not a loan but like they basically pay for your studio time and then you have to come back to them mm-hmm. and recoup the costs mm-hmm. and it's a scary situation for somebody like me who wants to make it in the industry in that capacity mm-hmm. and i'm thinking to myself if I ever got the opportunity to get a record deal of any sort, like, between, you know, streaming and, like, hitting that lucky spot on Spotify where you're featured in a playlist or, you know, Apple Music picks you up and you get featured as an Apple Music artist, you know, they have the artists of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't get lucky and you don't get a response like that from people, you have so much money that you owe on top of barely getting paid from the streaming services mm-hmm. anyway. So it's it's just scary. It's it's a really kind of frightening industry mm. to delve into. Yeah. It's worth it, at least for somebody like me who loves it more than anything. Yeah. Like I'm not coming at it from the money perspective. Yeah. I'm not trying to be the richest person in the world. I just want to make music. Yeah. But if I want it to be a lucrative career for myself and I want to have a sustainable life yeah. <laughs> and do what I love, like there are risks that have to be taken. And uh Streaming services not providing a lot to profit from make it more risky. Yeah, it makes it even worse now. And that's why, um, even though um, what I said, I wished um, SZA won the award for um, 
which um Alessia Carr won for for new artists. Yeah. I appreciate what she said. Like yeah. I appreciate the fact that she um again used her the stage where she's at for something that's important. Yeah. She talked about we need to um give respect to unknown artists just as much as we give to the mainstream. So I respected her for that. Yeah. Because there's so much there's there's just so much talent out there. Yeah. Outside of the mainstream that okay. and then when you even to even say and it's hard to even say this, but to be honest, some there's a lot um people that are probably more talented than the people that are in mainstream mm-hmm. that should actually be mainstream that aren't. But and not it's, just, it, it's not it's not marketable either. because either they're maybe part of the LGBT, maybe their um maybe their skin tone is just too dark to yeah. be appealing to um most people. Maybe um uh maybe their where way of dressing is a little bit too eccentric for mainstream media. Maybe their lyrics are too political or too um, yeah, because you could be political but not too yeah, political. Yeah. Like, there's a weird fine line and that's just drawn. Maybe it's too yeah. poppy, maybe it's too this, or maybe you're just it's not easy for me to define you in one specific area of the music right. industry. So it's always there's a lot of roadblocks in the industry that I feel like kind of in a way ruin creativity. Yeah. Even though they're supposed to highlight creativity, which is kind of hypocritical yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. Because it's but then again, you have to think again. It's the music business, so this business. Right, it all comes back to it being a business. Yeah, so that's. And then for people like us that just love it, it. I could care less about money, to be honest. But I just would like to be paid for. You want to sustain. You, you want to be able to yeah. be sustained and be, um, know that what you're doing is appreciated. Yeah. And sometimes and. One way to know that your stuff's being appreciated is for you to get paid for the work you've done. Like if you're in like a corporate job and you're doing like an accounting job, you want to get paid for doing somebody's accounting. <laughs> yeah, you work. could love accounting you, all you want. Yeah, but like, just you, I still need money to support my family. And if right. you want to start a family, you're wanting to support your wife, your kids, or your husband, your kids, or whatever. Life you want to live, <laughs> you want to have roof over your head, you want to have running water, yeah. <laughs> like you just want to have stuff to live off of. But. I've always found people who are like, I've met so many like artists who are like, oh, like it's nice that you like want to make it in the industry and like you want to be famous and stuff. Like I just do music because I love it, and I'm like, well then you don't want to do it for a living. Like yeah. if you do music and you and you love it and it's something that you really really like, and you don't care at all about any kind of recognition or any kind of monetary compensation for that music, it's essentially a hobby. Like, this isn't a career that you're trying to have. Like, you can love watching the stock market and Mm -hmm. following trends, but that doesn't necessarily make you an investor. Like, I love musicals, but, like, at this moment in time, I don't think I want to actually try to try out for a musical. Like, I don't, like, at this moment, I don't feel like I'm ready particularly to be part of it but yeah. when there's a musical that I'm interested in I'm going to go to Broadway and, yeah. like, and go see it like exactly. it's more of like something like it's a thrill and a hobby of me going to see shows exactly. not me trying to um, 
specifically study for a role or study for that performance and study the ins and outs of it to yeah. try and audition for it. Exactly. So it's not a career for me. Yes. I, so, hear, I hear a lot of that from people who, so, are like, who talk down to artists who want to make a career out of their music. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, like, you should do it because you love it. And it's like, yeah, you should do it because you love it and you should also do it if you're trying to do it for as a, like, yeah. for a living mm-hmm. and because you love it and you want to make a living. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with yeah. Yeah. And then it's when, and it's it's just so hard because it feels like the arts is never represented in the way it should be. Cause, no way, yeah. Um, we, um, the arts programs being cut yeah. for more money going to, like, athletics and stuff like that. And I understand that even with that, and I understand the issues with the athletes not getting paid the money that, the money's going to the coaches and yeah. the schools and not going to the people that are participating in it. Like the whole NAA, like the whole um, NCAA mm-hmm. with um, basketball and football and stuff like that. You have these kids out here just playing and these coaches are getting like all this money. Right. And these kids are like fainting, dying, well, going through. That's like an entirely different thing. That, yeah. that issue with um, athletes being worked especially football players mm-hmm. being worked to a degree where they literally have head trauma yeah they have head injuries that that don't allow them shouldn't allow them to continue playing and then mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of issues in their personal lives mm-hmm. because of it mm-hmm. and, and they're not properly cared for mm-hmm. because it's like who cares in sports like yeah. there's there's a lot of things that are kind of swept under the rug mm-hmm. because of the business aspect mm-hmm. of it mattering more than the people involved. Yeah. But like at the end of the day there's people involved. Yeah. These are human beings. Mm-hmm. You can't forget that. Yeah. So you can kind of see some parallels with that. Yeah. Even though you see it seems like um the coming from a creative person, even going through through high school, like through schooling, you see like if you're a musician, you're looked at like, oh, they're just like weird, interesting, interesting, so interesting yeah. kid. They'll make fun of you for everything you do, like mm-hmm. just the way you dress, just anything that's unnormal to like sports standards or anything like that. Yeah. But you'll see, because like even my high school, like there was sport, like it's like a hierarchy. Like if you're on the sports team or anything, like. Even if you don't win, like if, even if you guys never have won anything, you're still looked at. You're cool. still automatically looked at as being um, like upper class. Like, yeah. If you think of it, like, oh yeah. Think of it like the upper echelon of students is the sports player. Yeah. And then the creativity, creative people who literally win awards constantly, they're just treated like oh, just geeks. They're just mm-hmm. being geeks. Um, just weirdos that just like sing a lot and all this other stuff. Or if, if you're passionate about something um, musically, and, and even if you're not like a band geek, mm-hmm. people approach it from like, oh, like they're so self centered, like they think mm-hmm. they're the best. Yeah. It's like, I've never seen you go out and do something that you're, you care about, you're passionate about. Yeah. You haven't put your entire heart and soul into something. Mm-hmm. Like, why would, aha, uh-huh, I have. I have so many like tarnished memories of yeah, high school. I do too. People making fun of me. Yeah. So I get that. It's interesting. So, and I don't feel like people understand how much work goes into it either. No, and they don't. Like they just don't get it. Like they just don't understand that. Like even just to do the school musicals, 
it's mumps. They overworked those kids like it's crazy. Mom, like I did, I did the musical. It was months. It was months and months of preparation, and then it's literally like for, and it's to be honest, it's not like a Broadway show or anything where like you're doing it for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And weeks. It's literally like three, like three to five days of performing this thing that you've been working on for probably. Three months, three three months, three months before you even do the whole musical for five days. So you're literally going in there every day for three months while you're going to school. Yeah. Practicing lines, figuring out what numbers are, remembering choreography. Then you still have to remember schooling. Right. And stuff like that. And then you think about, um, for the sports people, you think about, you have to remember plays. You have to remember all this other stuff. Conditioning. Conditioning. You have to stay in shape. You right. have to eat right. You have to make sure that you're eating continuously. You have to stay energized. Right. You have school at the same time. So it's like, I don't think people understand what goes into these careers because what's um, considered, oh, these are... and. Again, sports and music are careers where it's very, um, the success rate is very lopsided. Oh, yeah. So, and I feel like since it's so lopsided, people just give it like the, the yeah. swish and like, well, because oh, it's hmm. entertainment based, right? Yes. Any and career that it's entertainment based isn't taken as seriously, but if you think about it, everything that we do is based around entertainment. Mm-hmm. Everything. Even like somebody who works as an accountant is making money so that they can go home and spend that money to make themselves feel happy, right? Mm. How do you feel happy? You go to a baseball game or you go see a concert or you buy that new single or you even go to the mall and buy a new outfit. It's Mm. fashion. It's all entertainment. It's all based around that Mm. and people don't take it seriously and it's so stupid. Yeah, it's very stupid because we... and. We're not talking about jobs like when we talk about this. We're not talking about jobs like doctors and like teachers and stuff like that. That's and even when you think about that, doctors and teachers aren't respected either. No, they're not. But I, I, I'm not saying everything. I should clarify. I don't mean that everything's based around entertainment. Yeah. Like a doctor isn't going to fix your heart so you can go home and listen to the new Kesha song. Yeah. Like I, I don't mean it from yeah. that standpoint. But I mean that a lot of the expenses that people end up having. Mm-hmm. After, you know, food and, and obviously necessary things are to get their mind off of the fact that, like, life is interesting. Life is, <laughs> is slowly mm-hmm. but surely ticking by and, like, mm-hmm. the days are limited and, like, you want to keep yourself happy. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is through all of the different mediums that we have. Mm-hmm. And, like, to see schools not getting funded and certain programs being taken out because certain things are placed over oh, sure. yeah it, like I understand a doctor's profession being more important than that of a singer because like one person is literally saving the life physically mm-hmm. of another person mm-hmm. whereas someone's entertaining somebody else but I think that but in a way you can say that we're saving your people's worst, lives exactly. too exactly so, from, a, from like a um, emotional theoretical yeah right emotional like an emotional standpoint um, but it, I think they both have Value. Value, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a, an incredible amount of value. And to say that one is more important than the other, in in some ways one can be, and in other ways it, it can't. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to cut funding for certain things. 
um, especially when there are certain expenditures that are so ridiculous that are not needed. I remember my school had smart boards in every room. Yeah. Where, like, we have a chalkboard. We have a, a whiteboard that you can write on. Why do we need a smart projector? Yeah. Why can't we use the old janky ones? No one complained. Yeah. Because my mom's a teacher. She talks about the whole, and now education has become a business. Yeah. It's not about education anymore. No, it's not. Especially with these standardized tests. Like, Oh my we God, yeah. see, and see, like with with us, we're not we weren't used to it when it was implemented and everything. No. So like there was like a big like divide. I remember even with us taking it, it was like why are we taking all these standardized tests? We never had to take this when we were in elementary school. Yeah. But like these little kids, literally from like probably I think third, second or third grade. I think when my mom was still te- was teaching second grade, yeah. they were doing standardized tests. My brother is 14. He's in middle school right now. And he had to take the park. Do you know what that is? And, like, she's talked about it, but I don't know specifically what it's it is. Just, it's one of standardized tests. Like, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and he had to take that recently. And he was saying that some of those questions were, like, at a level that they were not learning. Mm-hmm. Um he was coming home with answer pa- like the you know question and answer packets yeah. practice for the mm-hmm. upcoming standardized tests, and it was insane. Like some of these things are, are things that not only aren't they being taught, but aren't ever going to be applied in any capacity. Like why not teach kids valuable life skills? Why are we yeah, giving like, them these standardized she's, she's tests get, that they're like going to fail? And speaking of that, like speak like I look back at school and I'm like some of the math things. Like, why were we taught taxes? Right. Like, I literally just got, like, my tax return thing from the school. Yeah. Like, I literally just got it, like, a week or so ago. And I'm just like, how am I going to I have to ask my parents to do this. Like, I should know, like, I'm going to be alone soon. Yeah. And have to figure out taxes and figure out utilities and stuff like that. Like, I need to know what to, how to fill out taxes in a certain way. And I feel like we're not teaching. We're teaching kids to pass a test. And not teaching kids to um, be an all-around student, right. in a way. Yeah, because then when you come to college, that it all changes. Because now, and when people are trying to hire you, it's about you being all-around instead of just you being one certain thing. Yeah. So I feel like we're stumping the kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, think, I think that's something that gets brought up all the time. That, like People always talk about how, like, hey, we're not learning anything that's actually useful in school and primary school mm. and it, everybody talks about it but again nothing gets done people don't like to have the conversation about how our education system is kind of lacking in a lot of areas but nothing gets done about it we just give them more standardized tests I'm a bad test taker oh, I yeah, can't take I, I tests test to save my life <laughs> I suck at tests I get anxious I get like an anxiety attack when I take a test don't know why I have my whole life, ever since I was a little kid, when you put a test in front of me, even if I've studied for days and days and weeks and weeks. Just continue. Yeah, I just, I always, I always mess up. Like, I, I, it takes me forever. I used to do, that always used to happen to me as well. Just, like, I don't know. And I feel like it, one thing, I feel like it comes to the um, people being a little bit more logical. And it comes to people being a little bit more, like, the different sides of your brain. Yep. Going into how you take tests. Yeah. Like, because, so, like, when it comes to tests, like, I don't know, like, certain, 
like if it's the left side of your brain, the right side of your brain, whatever brain is the lot part right side. Right brain is creative. Left brain's yeah. So like if you um if you're more like um logic centered, mm-hmm. taking tests is like a little bit like a breeze to you. Like right. it's more logically, it makes sense yeah. to you. For like, but like when for me, somebody that's a little bit more creative brained, um, I found that like if it was like a quiz just regularly. Um, throughout um, the class, like I was fine with that, but when it comes to like a huge test or something mm-hmm. like that, like the SATs, like I completely like was like it was horrible. Oh god! Like it was, it was know. like it was like, and then like some of my friends are like more, a little bit more logic brained and like better test takers than I am. Yeah. So like they will have these scores, and I'll be like, <laughs> What did I? Yeah, do? and then it's like. When you come to test, it's not um, generally that the people that are taking the test better are smarter than the people that aren't taking the test better, and yeah. I feel like um, yeah, they neglect yeah at all. Like, cause I know there's like one of my best friends, like she's the smartest person I know, but she sucked at tests. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I have the same problem. I, I just I have a weird test taking method where if I can't understand the question I'll try to skip it and then I will be looming over that last question. I reread a question five times. I do that all the time. Even here even even here, even here, like I was just in the um business class. Mm -hmm. I forget what business class I think it was a marketing class. Like I literally like there was like literally like two questions that I just skipped over because like I need to finish most of the stuff and to come back to the question. I literally leaned over the question for at least like um at least like two minutes each yeah at least two minutes each and like i was just waiting and like i was one of the last people in the class yeah i'm always like exactly like one of the last people in the class and everybody else is gone and then like i get these i get the answers right after the test is gone and i'm like i knew this answer yeah like i literally knew this answer like i've been studying i've been paying attention i've wrote i wrote it down to make sure i remember what this answer is yeah. and it's just like when it comes to the test it's like yeah, you forget everything. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Sometimes it isn't even a matter of forgetting for me. It's that I will read a question over so many times that I second guess myself, and then that's never part two. Right, and I'll put the right answer, and then erase it, and then put a different answer. Yeah, or I'll put the right answer, but I won't finish the test because I've spent too much time second guessing it. And then we'll go over the test, and it turns out I got all my answers correct, but. It just took me like an hour and twenty minutes, whereas everybody else took twenty minutes mm-hmm. because I spent the whole time like freaking out in my own head. Mm-hmm. I've just never been a good test taker. I'm not great in like I don't know. It's weird. I feel like I'm I'm not horrible in pressure situations, but mm-hmm. for some reason, something about tests has just always messed me up. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to and then when you think about that, the opposite of it. So now, like getting on stage, like. I'm necessarily like it doesn't bother you at all right never I've never ever ever in my life gone on stage in a moment where it was like I've I've had so many shows that I've played where like I needed to get on stage last minute or there was a a technical issue or like something was going wrong behind the scenes that I didn't let on because like it's my job to be in front of this audience and I'm supposed to be singing and like this is what I'm going to do but for those high-pressure situations, I know exactly how to handle myself. I've never had any issue. But with test-taking... Yes, interesting. And, like, that that determines your level of intelligence or yeah. how well you can handle certain situations. Yeah. It's crazy to me. That's not... Yeah. And, and maybe it's just because we don't have a better way of judging, you know, the 
intelligence bracket, but it's, this is definitely not right. Yeah, it's definitely not right. Because even, like, me, like, um, one of the first things I ever did as a young kid, I was, I danced first. before. Like, I always was singing, but I danced first. So, um... I would just get up on stage. Like I literally won like a competition in New York for ice cream oh, for like so a whole cool. for a whole year. Wow! Just by Wait, just a, getting a year of ice cream. Yeah, a year of Turkey Hill ice cream. Oh, yeah, like when I was I forget what year I forget, I forget how old I was, but I just literally just walked up on stage, started dancing, <laughs> then won, <laughs> then won. Like just 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 not even worried about anything else in the yeah. world. Just just up there just dancing. Yeah. Some people really really thrive in situations where like maybe some people are great at test taking and that's something that they, they thrive in. Mm-hmm. People are great in, in academic situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people thrive in, like I, I know I've been in situations with my friends where I'll go on stage in front of like a, a large crowd and I'll perform and it's like I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm home. Mm-hmm. And I'll come off stage and my friends are like, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. And like it's the friends that are like like really great test takers and are really great with Numbers. you know, school. They're, yeah. they're scholars mm-hmm. and that that's their thing and they're mm-hmm. so so smart with numbers but they could never get on stage and do the things that we were able to do and it's not people always make the joke that like oh my god I don't know how you do it like a thing but like mm-hmm. in actuality if you were to take somebody who is more left brained and put them in a position that we've been mm-hmm. in they probably would think. Yeah, <laughs> right. they wouldn't be able to get on stage and dance and win a year of ice cream. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. And even and that's just not saying that just because your right brain is easy for you to get up there. Like, even, like, somebody that's, like, known as the vocalist of all, one of the vocalists of all time, Mariah Carey. Like, mm-hmm. she has stage fright. She still has stage fright. Yeah. But she just knows how to go past that and exactly. perform. Exactly. Like, even I have stage fright, like, even starting to start singing, because it's not something that I've done as long as I've done dancing. Right. It's still, like, something I had to turn off, like, switch off when I get up there. Right. But it, it's more natural to me to actually do it. Exactly. So, it's easier for me to switch that off. Yeah. So. I, I think people who are more left-brained, because it's, it's popular to be left-brained. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good to be left-brained. Mm-hmm. It's good to be smart, and it's good to be great academically. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like the popular thing. And yeah. If you're not automatically somebody whose intelligence is reflected on their test scores, which it isn't anyway, yeah. but if you're the type of person that thinks that way, you look at people who are creative and you think that they are not capable of bringing something to the table. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything to offer. But it's just that people are different, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't say that one person is better than the other person because this person's great at math and this person's great at music. Mm-hmm. Like, both... You can't have both people living in the same sphere. You need different people to have different skill sets. Yeah. It would be insane to think that, like, everybody needs to be good at math. Everybody needs to be good at science, whatever. Yeah. You need people that are filling different areas. Areas and aspects of life. Yeah. And I feel like we just need to... Again, with social media and us feeling like, even with the social issues of us wanting to be distracted, I feel like we need to and figure out empathy. Mm-hmm. Get to try mm-hmm. to empathize with people yeah. and try to see things from different perspectives as mm-hmm. much as possible. Because stuff will continue to be exactly how it is. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't figure out how to way a way to try and think from somebody else's shoes. Exactly. Like, or think from my standpoint, like, 
while I'm not a woman, I don't want, like, I don't necessarily, when I think of my mother, I don't want my mother to go through that. So I think of it that way. Exactly. And while, again, while I'm not a woman, I can still get sexually harassed. Absolutely. And, like, while you might not be part of the LGBT, I am. Mm-hmm. So I understand there's certain intersectionalities that I go through, and I'm, some of the things that a woman might go through, like, when it comes to sexual harassment, I might feel that feel that way because I'll it's be sexually harassed by, like, so you have to try and figure out, it, it is not, and I feel like people think it's too taxing to do that. And I feel like people think, oh, it's too much work. And then I always think that there's always an issue with things. But when you think about it, there's always been an issue with things. And people have tried to make it better. I think that's the whole point, though, right? People always talk about how it's hard to be empathetic. And it is hard. That's that's the whole point. It's hard. It's not supposed to be easy. The Mm -hmm. easy thing to do is to act primitively and mm-hmm. to act entirely out of I mean like I don't know if you've ever taken psychology but like yeah, Sigmund Freud it. and the id and the yeah. ego and mm-hmm. superego and whatever it's the easiest thing in the world to act instinctively and to care strictly for yourself and to not ever implement any kind of empathy or any kind of understanding toward other people you know to act entirely in your own hedonistic desires um, and that's easy and you can do that all you want but you're you suck. You're a bad person. You know, mm-hmm. like that's just something that we've deemed a society to be a negative trait. Um, and like, it's, it's harder to care for other people, especially putting yourself in a situation where you might not necessarily like another person. Yeah, but you have to empathize or agree with them. or agree with their standpoint yeah. as well. And right. I think something that we've been even dealing with in our country, this for the longest time is this weird divisive thing where, one side doesn't agree with the other, and while I understand that both sides can't always come to an agreement yeah. and, like, compromise, it, you can't look at things so black and white. It mm-hmm. can't be that this side's evil and this side's good mm-hmm. and these people are bad and these mm-hmm. people are good. It's like, it's, that's not how the world works. Everything is such a gray area. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be looked at from both perspectives, mm-hmm. people, people think need to, that they see... People need to live in the gray. Yeah. We need absolutely. to start living in the gray and not just black or white. Yeah. And I feel like even with even starting to vote, like, at first, like, I was a strong, like, oh, I'm a Democrat and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But even though I don't necessarily um, agree with a lot of, well, most, actually, all of the conservative stuff, <laughs> like most well, actually, of, uh, yeah, well, no, <laughs> some things, some things I understand, but I try to understand the standpoint. Right. So in ways, I'm always like, maybe I'm a little. I would classify myself as more independent yeah. than or anything, or like something different. And like then we don't even talk about even coming to political parties. We don't talk about the and the stuff in the middle in yeah, between the stuff there's so many people that are in the middle that like the like like for the more conservative people like the libertarians yes. the um um i forget the other words for them um but yeah, there's like quick, centrist, centrist sorry centrist there's libertarians there's um, like more like right-leaning yeah, left-leaning. right left-leaning people like so it's like we it's a lot of um one side it's a lot of um the good and evil yeah. like the good and evil aspect and i feel like again we've been taught that throughout history and even childhood we were taught in fairy tales good and evil yeah we're taught in 
life, oh, this person did this to somebody, so they're evil, and the person that that happened to was a good person, and he's trying to figure out how to be a better person yeah. throughout the whole thing. So I feel like it's a lot of duality, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more intersectionality, and I said that word a lot today, guys. But you're right. But yeah. there's a lot of intersectionality and a lot of overlap between mm-hmm. a lot of different situations. So yeah. I feel like it's just... It's just an interesting world, and like I feel like even with the the man that's in the White House, he will not be called president by me. Um, I feel like it's um, illuminated a lot of stuff that yeah. we that we've tried to hide. Like even the fact that we like the whole thing in Charlottesville, we saw people we like we saw people our age, yeah, our age down there saying the stuff that was coming out of people's mouths and saying the kind of stuff the the hatred that's still there it's we thought we thought it was like to be honest i thought it was i thought i thought it was older people yeah i did too actually i had a really weird scenario the other day Mm -hmm. i'm jewish Mm -hmm. and there was somebody who i was talking to very casually Mm -hmm. who had mentioned that her dad was like anti-semitic and i was like people are still like whoa okay yeah. like calm down yeah. <laughs> and uh she was like the way that she was talking about it was very much like she had been raised in this environment mm-hmm. she's asking me questions about it mm-hmm. that were super super weird like yeah. she was like you know are jews like evil and i was like what She's like, are you evil people? And I was like, no. I think I'm relatively nice. But it was strange. And I was like, where'd you get that from? And she's like, my dad is like, he doesn't like Jewish people. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) What are you doing? It's it's a little bit weird for us because we didn't have to. It wasn't as blatant. Yeah, as it was back then. No, but it's more. But it's it's it's, co- it's coerced. It's yeah. coerced, and it's a lot of. Um, it's more of tone and language. Yeah, and like if you're not like, um, if your vocabulary is a little bit um, lighter than most, you're not. You won't be able to actually catch it. Right. And then again, people will see, will hear stuff in two different ways. Like some, like somebody could say something. Um, around us like we'll be in the same group and somebody can say something that will be offensive to me mm-hmm. because it negatively affects um, people that look like me right but to you you probably won't actually hear it like that right. unless because you it unless doesn't it doesn't affect you or it, you never um or you don't experience or you don't have friends that experience that and mm-hmm. you have a dialogue together about certain aspects of that that's what i appreciate about what you're saying right now mm-hmm. is the, the entire aspect of having a dialogue it's one thing to say something that can make somebody go on the offense um if somebody says something like maybe someone tells a joke that i find funny but you might not necessarily find funny because it offends you it's so important to me that you said to have a dialogue about that and for you to address that with people in the group and like say hey like this, you know, this isn't cool because of the, these reasons, or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel about it. As opposed to expecting everybody to know. Mm-hmm. And even I fall short sometimes because sometimes it's just, it's just, sometimes it's even just, sometimes it's just blatant. Yes. Where it's like, I don't oh, know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how you could even just yeah, try how could you to, miss how that? could you figure <laughs> this out? And it's just like, okay, like, 
I just have to be outspoken about it. Exactly. But then there's sometimes where it's like there's a little bit again more intersectionality of it, a more like gray area of it, yes. where it's like you could see it from two different sides, and then like there's even more sides to it than you think there is to yeah. a situation. Exactly. And it's like you have to talk about it, and I feel like we don't talk enough. We talk at each other. We talk we at each other. We don't listen. Other. And like even in this interview, like I'm trying to not talk as much and just listen to what you had to say. Like I'm giving you questions, trying to listen to you, mm-hmm. not just give you like a whole bunch of responses from myself to make it like seem more interesting because I'm talking. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like yeah. You have to do a better job of that. No, we do. I, it's it's something that I've noticed a lot of, just people screaming their opinions at each other, and it doesn't get anything resolved because you're not listening to what the other person has to say. Even if, like, you don't come to an agreement at the end of it, genuinely listening to what somebody else has to say, there's, like, a, a level of respect that's gained, I think, right? Yeah. Like, even if you were talking to somebody who had the complete opposite opinions as you did, if they sat down with you and they spoke to you and they acknowledged what you had to say and you acknowledged what they had to say and it was... I mean, I'm, I'm, I can understand it getting heated at some points when there are, dis- like, really, really crazy disagreements, yeah. but to treat the other person with respect and to under- to try to understand at least where they're coming from with what they're mm-hmm. saying can be so much more life-changing than just one person on Facebook being mm-hmm. like, I hate this thing that's happening, mm-hmm. and then another person commenting and being like, well, you suck, and mm-hmm. I'm unfriending you. Yeah. It's like, how yeah. does anything get accomplished there? Yeah. You're just creating an echo chamber. Yes, it's, it's, it's interesting. And now it's being paraded around the world, so everything that you say is literally broadcast around everywhere <laughs> so it's not like you can just say stuff in your house anymore no. and because now all your thoughts feelings um just pictures of yourself and your family are broadcasted around the world it's somebody can crazy. like it yeah. like and even like some of the like even some photos like i post on the internet and on instagram and stuff like that and it's getting liked by people in like the netherlands and like England <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm like, and then people are following your account, and you're like, but I don't like you're not even part of my vicinity of yeah. knowledge or anything. Like I don't even know, um, unfortunately, about your culture enough to even conversate to you, like have a conversation with you. Right. So it's like you're following me and you like what I'm doing, but it's like there's still like a disconnect right. between like the communication. So it's like we're broad and it's like a whole globalization thing, mm-hmm. but we're really not. But we don't know each but other. But we don't know each other and we're not global when we think about language. Even in America, we don't. Yeah, in all the, even 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 all the countries, other countries, like there was a YouTuber that I watched. He um um lived in Paris, France, for wow. like a few months. Yeah. And he was he just made a video about how like being American and um these places is like it's very weird because like all of their stuff they're very indelved in american culture yes. whereas like their culture is like it's hard to even find their culture anymore because they're so like indoctrinated with american tv american culture and all the other stuff it. but the and but the different aspects of it is that they n- know their um actual language of their country Mm-hmm. But they also know English, and they also know other languages. Yeah. But with us, it's very centralized. It's just we, we know English. We, 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 yeah, we, we just know English. Yes. And he was talking about how we 
don't try to um, like if somebody likes even when you go to restaurants or you go to like shopping malls and like if you're a retail person, mm-hmm. like if somebody comes up to you and they speak a whole different language from you, it's like, oh my God, how do you not speak English? Right. It's like an issue for us. It's not even like, oh, they came here from a different country. Like pretty much everybody that was ever here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> immigrant, like even though we act like we lived here all our lives, which we have, but Right. When you look at the history, this is not our country. Like, right. exactly. exactly. To be honest, everybody's like, actually, from everywhere. yeah, everybody's from everywhere. Like, we're all intermixed at the end of the day because of certain interesting things that happened in our past. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we could have similar ancestries. Yes. Like, even though I'm black and you're um, Jewish, like, we could still probably have certain an- parts of our ancestries. Like, you could have African American in your bloodline. And I could have some European or Jewish in my bloodline and not even know it. And look, because we all look similar in ways. It's just the skin tone. Yeah. At that point. Exactly. Just interesting. It's really interesting. I'm I'm so fascinated with, like, ancestry and stuff. Because, like, I come from a, I come from a, like, all-Russian family. Mm -hmm. And um, as far back as I know, my whole family is just, like, Russian, Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And I meet people who are, like, mixed with all these different cultures. And it's so fascinating because I grew up on this weird mix of Russian culture and American culture. My parents came to the States, um, and I was a first-generation American born in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And growing up, my folks only spoke Russian to me. So my first language and my first understanding of how the world worked was through Russian culture. I ate Russian food. I spoke the Russian language. Um, I consumed Russian media in a sense i know my grandparents loved watching russian television Mm -hmm. they still do um and now i'm obviously americanized and like Mm -hmm. i was born here so Mm -hmm. when i went to school i you know had to learn how to speak english and i was delving into american culture and while there are still certain things at home that are russian that remain Russian, like obviously my grandparents are, you know, they have these really thick Russian accents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents still speak it fluently and I speak it relatively fluently. And I understand how to like, you know, read and write and I eat Russian foods and whatever. It's this weird thing where I'm like mixed in between these two cultures and mm-hmm. I wish so badly that there was more of that. Like I yeah, wish like I'm, people were more connected. Yeah, I'm fascinated with people like you that actually had that experience because mm-hmm. that's more that's interesting to me because I feel like if the um if we did that more we'd be able to respect people yeah absolutely more. if we had that experience from birth like and you look at kids kids don't know anything they're like they're blank slates like there was literally like a story on the news with like a, a white kid and a white girl and a black girl and then we're like oh we're twins oh they literally like they were saying that we're twins i don't care what anybody says we're twins I that so much. and then it's just like when they get older yeah. we don't know if that's still going to be the mindset of these kids and it's sad like when you think of kids you see like that and you're like oh there's hope for the world and then it's like five years later it's like it's, a it's like their whole psyche is changed because they have whole different experiences and then the people around them might not be equipped enough or try enough to let them know that 
this certain perspective is out there mm-hmm. and that you need to try and um, not necessarily agree with it, but you need to um, have a certain amount of respect for that person. Yeah. So, I guess that's why I'm always like, should I have kids? Because it's like, it's, it's like <laughs> do I want to do, do this? I wanna do this? <laughs> do I want to raise this kid and have <laughs> like some amount of sense to understand that? Yeah. One life is hard, and like, what if you mess up? What if you have a really jerk kid? Yeah, what are you gonna do? That's on you. (laughs) That sucks. It's always like, and it's like, how much do you want to make sure that they know that they can be independent without being too independent, where they act like they can just talk to you however you want? And it's like, then you go into discipline aspects. Right. People have so many different aspects of what discipline is. Like, some people beat their kids. Some people don't beat their kids. Some, and then if you say, and then if you brought, and then now that's broadcast on social media. Now people have issues with that. Right. And it's, then it goes into, again, that's culturally what people have done for centuries and years and years and years. So you can't really tell somebody that their discipline practices are wrong. Right. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I have and, friends that are, like, you know, older than me mm-hmm. that are, like, my mom used to beat the shit out of me, and I'm, like, oh, my God, and they're, like, but I rock now, and I'm, like, well, I guess you are fine, and I'm, like, well, does it work then? Because my parents didn't beat me, mm-hmm. my parents didn't even spank me, they, they were just, like, don't, don't do that, and, yes. like, I was a well-behaved kid, mm-hmm. I guess, just naturally, like, I mm-hmm. never really acted out, mm-hmm. so they didn't really have much to do, but... Like, I, I can't imagine having a kid that's, like, crazy and wired. And I'm like, what do I do with it? <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's, it was, like, a mix, mm-hmm. I had to say. Like, when I was younger, it was more, um, yeah, I got spanked. I got stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, that's more predominantly. That's not predominantly, but um, it's culturally normal for um, African Americans to spank their kids. Right, and I've and, seen that with different and, cultures, too. And, yeah. like, um, um, I'm not sure, since I'm not Hispanic, I don't know if it's the same way with Hispanic I've culture. heard that with, I've had a few friends that have told me that their moms specifically Hispanic moms are very like don't mess with me mm-hmm. you, if you speak in a way that's like demeaning to me you'll get the stick yeah so like it was like a mix because I think as I got older even though because when I look back I was a wild child but it was like <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of reasons why it was that way right so um that's the reason why and then like I'm kind of like somebody that I had to learn from experience more than you telling me something yes, like I, I, I was I was right. I was one of those kids that like to question everything yeah. and like to be like oh this is da, 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 da. and I don't understand because you say oh, this and then you said that to him and then that just makes sense because did you get the because I say so yeah 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 you know the whole parent thing it doesn't work. really help so that and for somebody like kids like us that question everything it's not good for us so I would just get spanked but as I got <laughs> older like it was like oh just don't do this like it was just like punishments it was right. just like verbal punishments like more so probably what you got it was like more verbal yeah more vo- verbal stuff it than anything yeah, while sure. it was more physical for me when I was a little bit younger yeah. so it was like it was like an interesting but, like, mix the impact is so different yeah, like, on every kid yeah, you so it's like you can't protect what's good and what's bad for a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, because you can, there's like kids that get so much love from the parents and they turn out to be like 
trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's the and it's, and it's just like, overly spoiled. Yeah, yeah, it's like overly spoiled, and like maybe that's their, and then they rebel so much because they're overly protective. It's like you want to protect your kids, but they're not protecting too much to be like. They want to rebel, and then you don't want to tell your kids that they can't do this because they're never going to rebel. Then if you tell them they can do it, they're probably going to do stupid shit, and then you're going to be like, hey, I should have told you this when you were younger, that yeah. you shouldn't do this. There's like a line you have to draw, and it's so hard to draw it, which is why being a parent's like the hardest thing in the world, and it's it's underrated, yeah. I think, in, mm-hmm. in terms of how hard it is. Mm-hmm. I have, um, I've been seeing a lot of this now, that I'm, I'm 22, mm-hmm. and like, I keep seeing people that I went to high school with, people yeah, that I graduated having, with, having like kids. starting families, having kids, yeah, getting married. Getting married. It is scaring the shit out of me. It's weird, <laughs> it's weird to me because, like, and, like, I don't, and I always say I don't want to um, put my perspective on somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, I'm like, I would have wait, like, at least wait until after college. Yeah. And, like, you, like, you studied all you need to study for what mm-hmm. you have what you, what you want your career to be mm-hmm. and like just whatever aspect of life your hobbies or whatever yeah. you want to like experience though, yeah, yeah some people aren't like that so I have to remember that too mm-hmm. so and then certain things just happen sometimes right. you can't expect you can't just predict stuff and some something happens in your life and then you have to start from square one again right. so like I try to not go a little bit too hard on people that get it but like for me, it's like I look at relationships a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say more than most people, but like a little bit with more care. Yeah. Because I feel like it's the relationships you have between the people you have relationships is very important. Yeah. And you should try your best to keep them. Yeah. Because unfortunately, in my life, some of the relationships I had were negative, like very negative relationships where like they would be. I thought they were my friends or like thought they actually cared about me and it's just like you hear that they were talking crap about you the whole time you were friends and it's just like when (laughs) like so it's just like you think about it and it's like I value my relationships that's why like if I say you're a friend I really mean it yeah I don't if I say I love you I really mean it like isn't like in some terms you're just so easily used today and like, oh, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's yeah. the good. Like, yeah. I get it, I but I I get it, but yeah, I don't think you understand. And then again, love's broad, so yeah, your version of what love is is not my version of love, so I can't judge people for that either. Right. So again, goes <laughs> into the whole. It goes as all perspective. We have to call this podcast perspective. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna call it. It's, it's gonna be Grammys and perspective. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. what this is about. Because it's all about perspective and then you empathizing with people's views on certain things. Yeah. And then it, we can even talk about our, our whole Grammy conversation. <laughs> like what we didn't like and yeah. what we thought was like horrible. Somebody com- like so different from us would be like, oh my God, I love the show. Um, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. The best Grammys ever. <laughs> ever. Like I was tired of all these political moments that were going on in the show. I just wished it was more like Bruno Mars' performance and right. um, well, Rihanna's some performance. Didn't want to see that. Some people wanted more of a entertainment a, and yeah, more of me music. escaping, right. me escaping the world I'm living in. Yeah, I think, so. but I think that 
I brought that up earlier, but in a sense, I find myself conflicted with that too because, in, on one hand, it's I want to be entertained. I, I want to be entertained, and I want to be distracted, and I want to listen to music that makes me feel good. And then other times, I want to sit down and listen to an artist like Kendrick, and I want to yeah. really delve myself entirely into his perspective and the way that you know he's talking about social issues and political issues. Um, so it, it can be hard to make it entirely about one or the other, which is why I think it was so strange watching it last mm-hmm. night because there were sections of it that were entirely political and it was like sometimes maybe even over the top mm-hmm. with how much they were kind of trying to put it in your face mm-hmm. and then other times that were like, whoa, why isn't this conversation being had? Yeah. Like, why is this being skipped over? Yeah. Um, I think they were trying to find a balance there, and I, I don't know if I, I agree with the execution of it. I don't mm-hmm. think they found that balance. I think it was just even more polarizing. Yeah. It was more divisive. There was no we- like middle ground. It was like entirely political, or it was entirely not, but there was mm-hmm. no like... Middle ground. Yeah, gray area. None of that. So, and then people opposite of us would be like, oh, I thought they... Saging of everything. Great job. We can have a we can have a whole conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Like this is interesting. Well, Sophia, this has been a great conversation. We <laughs> talked a long time. We this did. is probably the longest podcast I've ever had. But How it's, long is it? I don't even know. But we we had breaks in between, so <laughs> it's probably was interesting. But. I really appreciate this conversation. Me Thank too. you for coming. Thanks it's too. been a while, so I feel like that's the reason why we had so much to say to each yeah. other <laughs> since it's been such a long time for us to even talk to each other for mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, but um, before we leave, um, I just want you to give um, probably um, just give you one more last question and then ask you to give like, your social media out so people can follow you. Um, so this last question that I want to ask. Um, speaking as an artist um, and um, your creativity and you just trying to find um, your own voice, which is you're in the process of it now. Um, what um, dream collaborations would you want to have in your career? And um, what do you think... Um, Speaking of the whole Jennifer Hudson and her um, becoming Aretha Franklin for a biopic, what would um, working with these artists, um, what would that have an effect on your artistry? Well, if I could, so first dream club, right? Mm-hmm. I could have a dream club with any artist. That is the hardest question in the world. Um, well, there's a can I name a few? Yes, you can. Okay. In terms of vocalists, my favorite male vocalist, his name is Samir Gadia. Do you know Young the Giant? Young the Giant. Is that more of rock? Like indie rock. Indie rock, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he is one of my favorite male vocalists. He's mm-hmm. got, whenever you get a chance, look up, um, what's a good one to give you? Um, oh, goodness. It's Called Mirrorball. Mirrorball by Young the Giant. Put that on your playlist or something. Mm-hmm. He has the most beautiful, like, honey-like voice. I would love to do it with him. Like, do some sort of collaboration because I love their music. It's one of my favorite bands in the mm-hmm. world, and he's one of my favorite vocalists in the world. Um, if I could do a dream collab with him, 
I think he's probably my ultimate. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in love with him. Um, and then Ed Sheeran. Um, I think we have relatively similar, like, writing styles, and I really love his lyricism, and I respect him so much as an artist. Um, I think he has literally come from nothing, and I admire that so much because there's so many manufactured artists in the mm-hmm. industry. Um, and that's not something that's talked about too much, but some of the biggest names in the industry came from wealth mm-hmm. and they came from their daddy or their mommy or whoever knowing somebody in this, in the industry that got them to where they are. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I'm not denying any of the hard work that they've put in, but it's been so much easier for them to have a footing in the industry because of where they already started. Yes. And he's one of the few artists that was homeless for like, I think two years or something. Mm-hmm. He was living on his friend's couches and like, he didn't have anything. Um, and he, the first time I ever saw him was uh, right after he released A Team, when it, it was like his first like single that became popular. Mm-hmm. He opened up for Taylor Swift at um, MetLife Stadium, mm-hmm. and I went with my mom. This was like back in high school, actually. And he came out on stage with this huge, huge arena stage with just a guitar, and he started singing um, with a loop pedal. And it was the first time I'd ever seen anybody use a loop pedal, mm-hmm. and. The act that had come up before him had, like, a band, like, had a whole thing, and he came up with just a guitar and his voice and his orange microphone and started singing and put on one of the biggest shows I've ever seen in my life, sound-wise, performance-wise, energy-wise. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, one of my favorite performances I've ever seen, and it was just one person. And he had, like, a like a sheet behind him with just his face on it. It was, like, his album cover. And that was it. There were no, like, real... Like, there wasn't any lighting work that was done. There was no choreography. Like, none of that. It was just very raw and, like, so emotional. And he put so much into his performance. And I have, like, admired the hell out of him since I saw that. Um, and just learning more about him and finding out just exactly how hard he's worked to get to where he is. Um, I respect him, like, so, so much. I would love to collaborate, and I would love to write with him. If I could write a song with him, that would be one of the coolest things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd have to say uh, Lord is my last one. Um, her latest album, Melodrama, I, I, when she first came out, I had heard her music, and I liked it. I thought it was really cool. It was a jam. Um, but I hadn't really delved too much into her stuff. Mm-hmm. And then after she released Melodrama, I gave it a really good listen through and I fell in love with it and I ended up finding a respect for her as an artist that I hadn't really gotten before when she released uh, Pure Heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think she's a phenomenal artist. I think she's a phenomenal writer and I love her performance style. She's super weird mm-hmm. and she does a lot of like claw stuff with mm-hmm. her hands. She's like super eccentric mm-hmm. um, but she's very unapologetic in her mm-hmm. um eccentricity yes and I really like that about her um so I, I would love to collaborate with her so those are like my top three I know you asked for one but those are top three for sure um and then how what was the other question um how would you uh how would those collaborations um affect um your creativity I think they would help me to be more eclectic as an artist um and in a weird way I feel like working with those artists or even just one of them would be such a big stepping stone for me to really hone my own sound Mm -hmm. um because it's getting inspiration like that from somebody who's so well seasoned 
who could really kind of put me in the right direction, a step mm-hmm. in the right direction at least. Um, and if I had the opportunity to, to work with any of them, um, I think that would just help me grow. Um, it's it's so vital to me to learn from other artists. Mm-hmm. Every time I've ever had any kind of co-write, it has opened me up so much to different writing styles and to different techniques that I hadn't tried before. And I would love to gain any of those artists' perspectives mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Can you just give everybody your social media and just um, if just you can talk about the single coming out soon or anything that you have coming out? Sure. Um, I don't have anything coming out as of right now that's planned, but I do have a lot of um, ideas and plans or semi-plans for uh, this upcoming year or this year upcoming year now. Um, and I really want to release music this year. I really want to do more shows. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for Soap Music Monthly. The first one's coming out on Friday. And uh, aside from that, my first single was released a year ago today. So please go out, um, check that out. Just go to soapmusic.com. Um, if you go to the music tab of the website, it'll give you a list of all of the singles that were released last year. And if you click on any one of them, it'll direct you to a separate site that allows you to find you know whichever platform you want to stream it on or download it um it'll take you to a page that you can click on itunes apple whatever it is that you use to listen to music and um aside from that my website sofmusic.com sofmusic.com and my facebook and uh facebook instagram youtube and soundcloud are all website names slash sofmusicofficial and the only thing that's different is my Twitter because I couldn't fit the handle. Uh, it's <laughs> soap underscore music. I hate having an underscore. It mm-hmm. actually makes me depressed. Like I really wanted to be soap music or soap music official or some variation of that. Mm-hmm. And they're all either taken or doesn't fit. Like the L in official doesn't fit in my Twitter name. Oh, I hate when that happens. So I'm depressed about it. So I'm soap underscore music. Um, but if you can excuse that. Uh, you can, you know, follow me, check out my music. I have six singles out and uh, definitely more planned to come out this year. And I want to have some videos out this year, too. So be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, and I think that's all of my social media. Okay. Yeah. And you guys can always follow me at um, Millennial Tones Podcast on Instagram. Um, if you search for um, Millennial Tones and Instagram, it should pop up. Um, and then if really, um, if it does pop up, just put in um, Welcome to the Wavelength, and that should direct you right to the page. And you can follow me personally on my um, Instagram at DWrita, which is D.W.R.I.T.A. On Instagram, if you want to um, give me suggestions for songs to listen to, um, and to any um, reaction video requests you will want, um, anything you would ask, need to ask, you can always contact me there. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so for being here again. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Um, and I'll be back next week with you guys. Um, so have a nice day. Thanks for listening.